To the ether. Today is Friday, November 4th, 2022. Today on the ether, a Chepe space. This is part one of a two part discussion involving Luna, Lunk, and Terra Feather. Let's take a listen. Hey, Tim. How are you doing this afternoon? Oh, it's evening already. I'm doing fine, Seffi. How are you? Been busy all day, huh? Yeah, a little bit. I've got uh, just kind of kind of settled down for the afternoon got to work this weekend as well so kind of like been working all the time lately one of my partners who used to work with us uh is no longer with us so it's like uh well <laughs> more work so it's as simple as that if it's more work but, and more um, money then it's fine <laughs> if it's just more work then you gotta do something <laughs> it, it's a little bit of both but you know what it's uh Sometimes it's a quality of life thing too. I work sort of all the time anyway, so it's not really a. Um, it's not saying very much. <laughs> Same here. But uh, Same here. Um, I'm twenty four seven. I got a company in China, and one here in Europe, and it's like uh, pff, I don't know. Sometimes got to get a middle of the night. They they call you for something all the time, huh? Yeah, I mean they're they're a little bit respectful. They try just to keep it to emergency <laughs> for everything. So, because they, they yeah. know I'm sleeping, but uh, it is what it is. Um, it seems to to get a little bit softer now. Shouldn't be a problem, I think, in two or three months. They open up China, and it's going to be easier to visit without all the quarantine problems. You know, it's just it's crazy. And you know, if if you really are positive, they lock you up for an entire month, and you have to go to this. You see this container. Villages. They lock you up for a month. Huh? If you're unlucky, if you're not getting negative again, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's just you know these... the silliest thing. Yeah, it's a bit. It's it's a bit uh, aggressive. I guess they figured like, well, we have a billion people, and uh, we're just taking no chances for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Honestly, what their deal is. Since this year, I think they actually used it actively to combat inflation by suppressing the oil consumption you know because in china so many people now have cars and if you just lock up entire cities and no one's driving around electricity is made, mainly made by um coal you know so big well, i think 60 percent of oh so you so you think maybe that uh but do you think that's more just like that's truly a policy or just some kind of uh uh, internet conspiracy that they're doing that like it seems like a silly way to deal with an economy of like locking everyone up <laughs> just as well of course uh raising interest rates like we do in the united states has the exact same effect essentially right? yeah yeah i mean um yeah just... i think it's basically really a, a policy because what they do is in the rural areas um where they don't have let's say people anyway need to move move around in cars because they, they wouldn't get any food right if they have lockdowns, they still let the people move. It's just in the cities where they lock them down completely and don't let them 
use the cars at all. And the funny thing is the, the gasoline prices, they have risen. Uh, before the pandemic, they were like 7.5 Chinese yuan. And now they're about 10.1 or 10.2. So, I mean, they went up, but um, quite gradually and let's say orderly, not too bad actually for the, so people could cope with these price increases. And um Interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess if you if you don't spend any money, you're not going to notice the inflation. Yeah. Well, and then that know, will the, bring inflation down too. The funny thing too. is, people don't realize this here in the West, but 2021 has been like crazy good for China because everyone stayed at home. They all ordered online on Amazon, and all whatever you know. So many stuff is coming out of China. People don't have any idea what is. It is almost everything you get. You know, I'm I'm making actually cat food cans you know these aluminum cans um i'm actually trading with those things you know and um and we need uh, we need them in in hundreds of millions you know we're selling them to a to a company and now we probably set up a business also in the u.s because they're worried about their polish supply chain because of the high energy prices and the aluminum smelters are going to have problem and so they they will buy now from china you know and and um you can't imagine the stuff that you buy in a, in a U.S. supermarket. The packaging is actually made in China. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. You know? And people people complain about not drilling a new hole for oil in Texas, right? But they're okay with sending them bloody empty <laughs> things around the world in container ships. You know? Yeah. <laughs> the world is a, a stupid, crazy place, generally speaking. <laughs> Just, yeah. And here in Germany. Like, there's a lot of interesting, the there's a lot of interesting um, sort of distortions that are, are not obvious when you like look at them at face value, but yeah. Anyway, um, you, I think you were asking earlier, uh, about, uh, having a space today. Did you have like any specific questions about nah, just um, the, the developments going on? I just was wondering about this sea pool thing. We actually bought a, bought a bag of this, uh, clear finance. Clear pool. <laughs> I have no, idea. that's just because some people said, Hey, buy this, yeah. uh, alpha seekers, a dude I know. And I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll buy something. <laughs> I have no yeah, idea. I like, I just had some yield sitting somewhere, and I was like, I'm going to spend it on something. So, How much did you buy? Um, <laughs> not too much, hopefully. <laughs> just, just a little bit. <laughs> no, just messing around. I was just sort of like, like sometimes, yeah, I let the I let the crowd do my due diligence for me a little bit. So if I, I have, there's a few people I know, I'm like, tell me what to buy. They're like, okay, get this. I'm like, all right, sure, whatever. So like, if I don't feel like doing any research, that's what I do. Yeah, but it's, but, it's um, interesting. This winter mute is actually in there, and I've been following them for quite a while. They seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, some of these crypto lenders, they're really, they really know. I mean, they're, they're providing the financial backbone to the whole story, and they're just, let's say, they're providing liquidity to the market in stable coins. And, I mean, if people go and gamble, whatever, you know, you still have to pay the fees. And even if they get liquidated, there's always the trading fees in there, right? So... Yeah. In the end of the So, yeah, I, I haven't. It's one of those that uh, is just this little bitty micro cap. <laughs> it's worth under 30 mil or something. And uh, I figured, well, whatever. I have a little bit of cash. I'll throw it at it. But, yeah, nothing. It wasn't. I see a lot of discussion about it generally. It's just one of these, um, you know, general DeFi lending kind of protocols or whatever. I don't necessarily use every single thing I throw money at. <laughs> it just depends. And if I'm going to throw a lot of money at something, I definitely it needs to be something I'm going to use because I prefer to be like completely uh, immersed in, in understanding what it something does, not just sort of like, is it a good speculative investment or is it a good technical investment or like whatever. So I tend to prefer um, 
uh, a fairly deep knowledge if I'm going to throw any serious money at something. Yeah, you should. Yeah, but I mean, uh, obvious, obviously, <laughs> like so, even then you can be totally wrong, or you could have like a you know a hack issue or an exploit or whatever. So, um, yeah, yeah. like, just because you know about something doesn't mean you can't lose money in it. Did, did uh, you actually so. see that? Um, I don't know if I tweeted that to you. Um, there was actually this meeting today in Japan at NCC, and there was this this Taiwanese girl that actually worked for a couple of. I think she even did some animations for Blizzard, and last year she became very famous with this NFT for Uniswap. Right? She made that. Um, you remember with the unicorn that animated thing. Uh, people pleaser. Uh, I didn't really pay attention. Yeah, and yeah what what so what's the bait? What what happened? Well, basically, this NFT she she was able to sell it to a pleaser DAO for I think four hundred k or something, almost like three hundred k US dollars just for this one NFT. And uh, she's become like the like an a, let's say a lot of uh, digital artists are actually looking up to this to this girl. She's young. Uh, she's successful, right? And she made it in the NFT world with her art, basically. So, and you should really see if you could actually get her to do something on Stargaze, because um, mm, yeah, really, I, I think I it's, it's, it's interesting to look out for talent and, and have some people with some reach, you know. Because um, if if she deploys something on, it will draw a lot of attention to that chain. Huh? Basically, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If you can find like. Yeah, celebrity types or whatever to it it creates a lot of buzz, which is good. Um I don't know if uh, oh by the way, um so I got uh, a quick message back from uh like Do Kwan. I was kind of just asked him like, hey, uh, you know, like how what is the deployment time on this feather protocol? Um not protocol, but this the kind of feather initiative, I should call it. Um, like what is the time frame? I think they're looking to have things released uh before end of year. So mm -hmm. um we're not talking about a very long time for the some of the stuff that Quan uh posted about and like uh mentioned on the um Terra forum and, and whatnot. So that looks very interesting. Um so time wise we're not looking at very long. So actually um it looks like that he's deploying faster well like i don't even know if the atom 2.0 proposal is going to go through but it appears tfl is deploying this feather protocol idea at a speed that's considerably faster than what um the um like how adam is working out like it we took like i think a month of debating the atom 2.0 thing and then you know there's a proposal out there now Uh, you guys should vote um, on that if you own Adam. But uh, some of the things that 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 Adam 2.0 does, uh, in some ways, like some of the interchain security stuff and whatever, is part of what Feather is going to do for Terra. So they're going to release considerably faster than anything that's going to come out for Cosmos in general. So these guys are really um, very good developers at TFL. And know sort of like uh, they, they know blockchain tech at a very fundamental level. Uh, so you know they're and they're not doing anything particularly risky, really. They're just creating um, systems that are going to make it easy to integrate new chains uh, in the cosmos, particularly as it pertains to connecting Terra as a parent chain, essentially. Um, 
the Luna chain. So we'll see how that goes. But it's it's not that far away, which is exciting. So I think once we have um, a bit, when we get closer to that time frame, I think uh, we'll try to get Doe uh, on with me and Bruce and stuff and really kind of hash it out for a bit with him as far as like what all this what is all would, about. What, would, everything. what will be the, the things that the end user will see first when this is actually rolled out? I mean, what will be the real difference that people will experience? Well, some of the experience differences are this is really more for onboarding developers quicker. So it's going to be much, much easier to deploy a Cosmos blockchain. Uh, it'll be very easy in the sense that like the token of that blockchain will be readily available on Terra Station so that you can cross between one chain to the other with different coins. Um, I'm assuming part of that, and I'm not 100% sure, will be the ability to jump between Luna and Luna Classic really easily, which would be kind of nice because then you can buy whatever you want. Um, and it's going to make onboarding just projects in general from all over the place easier to connect to, um, to you know, to our system. So that I think it will lead to just a lot more interesting stuff for people to participate on and play with, right? I don't think it's going to change the, I don't think it's going to change necessarily the, I don't know, like the immediate user experience on existing dApps or something like that. This is more a growth driver for the blockchain to have a revenue source while also making it easy for a new blockchain to show up without having to find a bunch of new validators. Very similar to the interchain security idea on Cosmos, but being built for Terra directly, which is pretty interesting. I think it'll so, be so. So, two questions. Let's say, um, you know, I'm I'm always looking for business use cases because some business they're really in need of something. They have built something like they use paperwork right now or Excel tables to to handle something, and they could really make use of blockchain. But any actual system is way too difficult for them to deploy on right. Yeah? So, for example, if we if we talk about websites, now you go to a hosting provider, and the hosting provider can deploy an entire WordPress suite for you on your domain and on your hosted server. Right? Just click a bunch of buttons, and you get this all this structure already there, pre-installed on that server. Right? So, if you get with a blockchain to that point where it's very easy for people to deploy something, and then basically just have their own let's say, coffee machine maker accounting system, blockchain, you know, for example, that's a business model, right? You can sell that to people. Yeah, one of the issues with uh, connecting businesses to blockchain, uh, a core problem right now is privacy. So public blockchains, obviously, you know, a blockchain is a ledger, a uh, decentralized ledger, basically, which uh, allows you to do... Um, any sort of traditional accounting functions in a sense, but uh, in a way that is immutable. So one of the things about a blockchain is your goal is to create a system where like you would use a blockchain if you had data that you didn't want to be lost or erased, something more permanent. Not all business functions require permanent uh, or persistent data, number one. Uh, like some some businesses might collect data for, you know, seven years and then they throw away their old tax documents or whatever, right? Like they may not need data like forever. Um, smaller businesses and then bigger businesses, they might want to keep their data indefinitely, but they might want that 
data not to be entirely public knowledge. Like, for example, would you show your accounting books of your business to for different reasons. you know random people? Not necessarily. You are you might show a balance sheet or something like that to a bank if you want to borrow money or whatever. So one of the benefits of having a, a company on a blockchain would be that um, you know you you could then collateralize the the company and you could borrow money off of that um, with your business or maybe future revenue as collateral so that you could commit like for example your revenue for the next I don't know year of whatever project you have to pay back a loan for example if you took a loan right now so some yeah, of those kinds of like the true decentralized finance applications would be um, much more straightforward because people would be able to use a smart contract to say, wait, how much revenue does your business have? It has this much. So therefore we are willing to like, uh, you know, we're, we're willing to issue you a loan because you're, you, it looks like you're good for it. And um, then you can pay that loan back over time with a smart contract. Um, so that would be a really useful use like worldwide um, of decentralized finance, because right now, if you look at many countries, um, especially like third world places and stuff, um, decentralized banking or any banking for that matter, the so-called unbanked have a hard time finding access to like small loans and things like that. So that would be potentially useful. Um, but yeah, there's that's sort of the dream of DeFi at some level. And to some extent, if you're going to be a bank, like you're, you know, you're going to create a bank, um, you are not going to want to lend to just anybody. You're going to want to lend to someone who you think is going to pay you back that money and who's going to be able to pay you back in interest at some level. But if you have access to like, if you can be sure that's going to be paid back because of some collateral process or some, maybe or revenue SQL process, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or like maybe you um, are able to like, like traditionally in DeFi, how this works is like, uh, you know, maybe you have a token like the Atom token at 19% yield. And, you know, the, you could basically take, let's say you had $100,000 worth of Atom token. and But you wanted to keep your exposure to the Atom token. You didn't want to get rid of the thing, right? You post that as collateral. You then borrow off of it. Um, so that's your leverage. You, let's say, borrow like, I don't know, $20,000 and worth of uh whatever usdc atom whatever it is typically you'll borrow a stable coin at that that moment and then what you'd be having to pay back that twenty thousand dollars at some point in the future now one of the ways that you could pay that back is the atom token gets locked until the yield uh so if it's 19 percent yield it would take about a year to pay that back and that yield would automatically be taken by the protocol but you get to keep the yield and take it now, right? You see the difference? And now yeah. they'll take a fee for doing this, but then you, let's say you have like, you know, you know, $200,000 worth of Adam and you wanted to buy like a $40,000 car. Well, then, you know, you can give up your future yield um, and then you can just go buy a car with it right now. So you could still have access or exposure to the token you want uh, as a long-term investment, then you can borrow off and buy anything you want. As, yeah, it's pretty much point. like borrowing against your house for a business while you're living in it. Yeah, so that's like the Alchemix model on, a, I think, Ethereum had Alchemix. But um, that's kind of the idea there. And some of those things were actually built on Terra before the crash. Like 
kinetic money and some other things. And they just got released. Like they just opened like a month before the crash. Unfortunately, we were all waiting for all those things to come out. I was like, okay, I have this shit ton of Luna. Like, you know, I'm going to like just borrow off the yield. and I'm going to go buy some shit with it or a house or something. So you, you could have done that, but, um, but you know, obviously history being history, it is what it is. <laughs> but, um, but that's not to say that those kinds of things could not be built. Um, uh, at, at this point so the other thing i think we need um uh on probably every cosmos DeFi chain i think it's reasonable for every cosmos DeFi chain to have a decentralized stable coin um not necessarily like what luna ust did where it tried to have ust become the stable coin of the world or something but i think for trading exposure people need some kind of stable on chain and um you want to have something that's censorship resistant, not USDC. And I think pretty much every DeFi chain is going to have one sort of stable coin or the other. I know um, Shade Protocol is doing something like on Secret Network, um, like USK on Kajira Network, et cetera, et cetera. So they're providing incentives for people to provide the collateral to then mint the stable. And it's, I think, a largely fully collateralized stable coin. Um, and I don't know how that fully keeps in touch with like inflation and everything else, but whatever there's, when you do this on chain, uh, it's not particularly very scalable and it is subject to demand because like, if you don't have enough collateral deposited, you know, because the yield is not high enough to deposit collateral, then people won't mint the stable coin as a result of it. So we'll have to see, but usually to have a good flywheel effect, high economic activity on chain, you really need to have a fairly robust um, stablecoin idea. And I don't know, I'm not too excited about the idea of having a, um, like, you know, the having USDC become bigger and bigger can be a bad thing because if that gets really big, then if something happens to it or if some censorship happens, like, you know, then you wind up with broken protocols and uh, you have problems with composability. So, uh, DeFi applications require a censorship-resistant stablecoin, basically, and USDC is not that thing. So, um, so yeah, I think every every chain is going to end up having one form or the other of local stablecoin. Um, whether there's going to be enough of it to go around, that's a different thing. Um, I'm not so sure there will be. But uh, in regards to stable coins, there was one concept I saw so far that I pretty much liked because it was basically a based on perpetual future contracts. So they would take like a, a really deep liquidity um, token, for example, Bitcoin, and go on a per protocol and go uh, one long and one short with that stable coin basically on a perp basis. And uh, if enough people are playing on that perp, you could really stabilize that, right? Uh, it could be really work as a stable coin. Yeah, as a resource. I, the, the thing is uh, all of those type of things have to become very, very popular to issue enough yeah. stable coin to matter in order to fill LPs and, or fill, you know, fill like a order book or something on an order book model. Um, yeah. The, the, generating enough liquidity to matter is the hard part. Cause the thing is stable coins are popular, right? Like if you look at any given moment, um, look at the market cap of the big stables, like uh, BUSD um, look at what UST used to be. Look at, um, you know, whether it's DAI, 
what else do we have? Um, we've got uh, USDT, USDC, right? You look at all yeah. of those, and those represent like, I don't know, 70 plus percent of the volume on any given day for the crypto market. So the stablecoin demand is really high. And when you do a fully collateralized coin, like some of the things that you know people are trying to do now, it's just not scalable to meet that demand. And that's the problem because you will always have less people playing on the other collaterals than you will the people that potentially want um, stablecoin exposures and stuff in terms of volume. So I don't know, like I'm not sure how any of that works or whatever. Um, or maybe uh, you have to create like quasi stable coins, like maybe, you know, volatility, um, like stable coins whose volatility is not pegged perfectly, but is somewhat floating. Um, the problem with those has been uh, they're, they're not very popular either, because if you can't expect it to stay at a dollar, then people aren't that interested in putting that much money in it, right? Like if I was to have a million dollars, I stick it into some semi-stable coin and it goes down by 5%. At the time that I want to spend that money, it's going to be pretty irritating, right? <laughs> See the problem? So semi-stable coins are only so, so useful because uh, you neither get the upside of an unstable coin, nor do you get stability, right? So it's like, it's a fucked up, like useless kind of coin a lot of times. Um, yeah. Kilowatt hours as a stable coin, you know. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, that's sort of what bit, yeah. Sort of like the Bitcoin idea, essentially. Like when it gets big enough. Hey, Army, what's going on? Do you have a question? Hey, Doge. Yeah, thanks for. Um, well, first of all, thanks for bringing me up and um, allowing me to speak. I mean, obviously, I've just been in um, Happy Catty Crypto's AMA, but I, I only caught the last sort of. Five minutes, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I've missed a lot. So I did hear you speaking. Um, don't, don't know what it was about. So obviously, you know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm going backwards in time, then I, I do apologize. But I'm just trying to get a bit, of, a bit more it, information. It was, a re, it was a recap. It was a recap of, I, I just did a brief recap for about 10 minutes on there about what's happening with the Terra Feather project, which is the Terraform Labs Doquan initiative. And what is happening with possible updates to Terra Station in reference to that? Uh, and I was just mentioning, sort of like, um, you know, I think some things regarding tokenomics for Luna Classic that long term need to be sustainable and like revenue for the for the chain to make it useful and to make Luna Classic an investable coin uh, among all the other like different types of Cosmos coins. But that that's what the the basic discussion was about. <laughs> and, and I think you heard some of it if you were here yesterday. We were covering a little bit of that as well. But um, yeah, we, we can always rehash some of those things if people really, uh, really, really want to. But uh, yeah, that's the story. Uh, but yeah, I, no, that's have, cool. you read, have you read Doe's uh, post already on Commonwealth? No, I haven't. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't. I've, to be honest, I mean, I've only not long just come sort of back on so i'm just trying to get myself yeah. caught so, what's going on so yeah if there's something new if you could just let me know it'd be great a good article to read would be um doe posted uh a not a proposal but sort of like a summary of what the feather protocol was going to be and posted it on commonwealth now he talks in terminology that i think if you're new to crypto 
or, or, you know, don't have a deep understanding of it, I think it'll probably go over a lot of people's heads, unfortunately. Um, and that's because like the, the type of solutions he is proposing are not things that like, there's, like, there's a lot to unpack in a sense that like, uh, why blockchains are successful, why they're not successful. Um, what are the nuances of like tokenomics issues? What are ways to drive revenue to blockchains? All of these things are really, really not obvious to amateurs, like people who are like just maybe maybe going on Binance and buying some coin, um, but are super, super important to uh, f- like building uh, projects. But they're also super important to like long-term growth, especially if you're trying to attract very large amounts of money. So if you want to attract investors that are going to put a million dollars you know, on chain with you, um, then those people are going to be much more likely to do a lot of due diligence. And those are also people that are uh, going to be highly likely to be mercenary capital, meaning they're not going to just stick their money on your blockchain just because you guys are a fun community or some shit. They're going to only show up and put their money there if there is something really, really legitimate long-term, right? So a large investor is, uh, the large investors are the people you long-term want to attract, like the smart money who wants to stay there, wants to provide value to your blockchain or whatever. And and they need to be presented with a vision that's quite frankly amazing. Um, and one that they can explain to their mother or whatever. Because if you can't explain it to someone else, um, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to market the thing, right? Like, what is the point? So. I think what Doe, uh, like a lot of what his project is, what they've been working on is the ability to bring uh, developers to create blockchains that are tied with Luna and bring them in really easily and allow them to be able to spin up a, chain, a blockchain really quickly where the, val- the existing validator networks can um, like produce the security for any new chain that makes it dramatically easier to for adapt to um, come and connect to things and also like create the connectivity within the wallet for the Terra station wallet to jump between chains um, so if you're going to be able to add a lot of new chains sort of how like Kepler wallet has a lot of chains you want to be able to readily be able to transfer between different assets of each of those chains you're going to want to be able to put those coins in different DeFi protocols, liquid staking, whatever. And, <coughs> that, you know, and then making all of that really, really easy for developers to, um, to do is kind of the idea of Feather. Um, it is kind of difficult right now to navigate Cosmos if you're a new developer and understand what the hell is going on. So they want to improve documentation, onboarding, create better uh, like websites for the purposes of bringing on new developers, and then having those developers want to create a new chain that's a chain of the uh, Terra network, as opposed to a chain that would be like a consumer chain of the Cosmos hub, uh, which is what Atom 2.0 is attempting to do. So really, like, this whole Feather project is kind of a co- competition to um, to Adam in many ways, which is good because that allows us to have, like, uh, the more of these types of competitors there are, 
the better because Atom was not meant to be a centralized system anyway. And the benefits are that we can uh, like look at each of these experiments, whether it's Terra's Feather Project, whether it's like, you know, Adam's Interchain Security or whatever the hell, and we can make decisions about where we want to put our money. And we have a more diversified, we have, we have more diversified places we could put our money. And over time, it'll become more obvious. It might take years, but it'll become obvious uh, which system is better, right? Like if you can objectively say, hey, look, Terra did it this way, and they were able to get a lot more um, uh, companies to join versus if Cosmos Hub did it a different way versus Osmosis Mesh Network did it a different way, they got more users, then you will be able to sort of like watch this experiment play out, figure out what works best, and then ultimately um, we all benefit indirectly. And for that matter, like what usually happens is there's some like cannibalism of ideas so that like, let's say Adam 2.0 has good ideas. Some of those can be implemented on Terra. If Terra has good ideas, they can possibly implement it on, I don't know, osmosis. So that kind of thing. So I think everyone learns and the ecosystem in general advances faster when you have more experiments running simultaneously. And I think that's really helpful. So I think for all of us, it's a good thing. Um, it's good for the cosmos to have all this like, development activity and everything. Um, but yeah, Terra's goal right now is to make it much, much easier for uh, onboarding developers for both for NFT projects and for DeFi and for making new chains, whatever. So pretty cool stuff. Um, hopefully that is a good top line summary. Um, Deshung, did you have a question or comment about anything going on? Deshung, you there? Or did I say your name right? Not sure if he's available. You guys can hear me, okay? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, I couldn't tell if it's me or what. Maybe he's if he's away for a moment. But anyway, yeah. What kind of exciting things do you want to see, Army? Do you have any particular um, like types of uh, things you want to be able to do with your money besides just like having some coin and having the price go up? Do you want to be able to borrow off of it? Like what? Because I don't know how many lending protocols are available right now on Luna Classic or on. Uh, Terra, like a lot of the lending protocols that sort of fallen apart, um, Anchor being the, mo the largest one. Um, but yeah, lending, like, like one of the most common uses of um, these systems tend to be lending where you could, you know, take on leverage and go buy something else or whatever. And um, I've always told people to be pretty careful about that. People like go pretty degen with those things and, uh, you know, enjoy getting liquidated or whatever. But do you, do you tend to do any kind? Do you guys tend to do any kind of uh, buying any crypto using leverage, or do you tend to steer clear of that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I sort of stay clear with the leverage. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a bore. I'm a, well, I'm classed as the boring type. I'm I'm just an older. I mean, the thing is, the reason why I'm trying to sort of catch myself up with everything and make sure that I'm up to date with all the information about what's going on is because I sort I, I sort of. I've got a bit of a role in the community and I like to make sure that obviously everyone's sort of on the same page and obviously you know yourself with everything that's been going on over the past few weeks without going over overall ground. It's just been asked to sort of get facts and um, sort of get the positive stuff. Do you get what I mean? So obviously, yeah, to come in and obviously just listen to what you said earlier on and then obviously what you've just said now and you know, cleared it all. It was fantastic. And um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, I'm, I'm open to anything that basically is going to help, you know, sort of, make the chain survive and obviously make it, a, a you know, sort of a, a good place to be. And a, 
not only a strong community, but like you said there, you know, a, re- a reason to invest. So I, I'm sort of trying my hardest now to try and just put as much facts as I can together that I can then basically just pass on to everybody else for them to obviously sort of understand what's yeah, going on. So me personally, like if I have an asset, um, uh, well, oh, so one thing is uh, each chain you'll notice uh, has now is some form of um, sort of auto compounding, um, uh, like, you know, auto staking, auto compounding um, derivative token. Uh, yeah, yeah. We call it we call it liquid staking. And one of the benefits of liquid staking is, so let's say I have Adam, it earns 19%. I can have a token that auto compounds and earns that 19% goes up in value, but then I can still borrow off of it, right? It doesn't make sense to borrow off of Adam because if I do that, so let's say I have $100,000 worth of Adam and I borrow, I don't know, $20,000 you know, worth, then the problem is, is that I'm not making any yield off my Adam while it's sitting there. Right. So that in theory, if I wanted to get more exposure to Adam, I would borrow 20K off my Adam and buy something else with it, maybe Adam or whatever. And I'd want to keep all the yield from that. And I would want the yield ideally in the thing I'm like sticking my money in to be higher than the cost to borrow. So whatever the fees are for borrowing or whatever on that particular platform, your goal is to have a return on investment better than the cost to borrow, right? That's what everyone's sort of looking for. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, th- I think some of these liquid staking ideas and whatever are going to post for, they're going to uh, create some interesting opportunities. And uh, I think that's another thing with the Terra Feather thing. I think it's going to allow these new chains that um, participate with that to have like liquid staked versions of their tokens and stuff on Terra. And you can do all sorts of cool shit with those things too. Like you can put like more than one liquid stake token and counter trade them in like a rebalancer bot and all sorts of cool shit. So I think some of the fun DeFi stuff that people like to do um, are, are going to be much more available. Now, having said all that, I tend not to leverage on more than like maybe, I don't know, like take on maybe 10 to 20% leverage at most. I don't tend to like to get liquidated on things. I like to have positions that are relatively liquidation free. Like even during the collapse of Terra, I had like maybe like, I don't know, maybe 15 to, how much did I have? Maybe about 10 to 15% leverage on Anchor Protocol at the time. I was able to exit my position because I didn't like, the value of my loan didn't ever um, exceed the value of my actual you know, outstanding money I had or liquid cash. Yep, so being yep. liquid and being able to pay down that debt fairly readily is important. And so I tend to stick with like maybe 10 to 15% um, of my uh, collateral being used as leverage at any given moment. So that I could easily pay down a loan if I had to or something like that. So, but a little extra exposure, I think, especially at the bottom of the markets um, can be really nice because then if you don't have extra cash, but you know, you have a nice pullback, like maybe something's like right now, I mean, hell, like everything's dropped, like what, you know, 80, 90%, depending on what coin you're talking about. So this is not a bad time for that. Like, I'll give you an example. Like last year, uh, wait, was it last year? Yeah. Last year, I think I bought like maybe, 
uh, it was like maybe like how much, like maybe f- so I borrowed off of anchor protocol at the time using my Luna. And I think I bought like borrowed, like maybe, I think maybe like around, let me think it was, um, yeah, it was about, uh, I borrowed around, uh, about 50,000 bucks worth of, uh, UST. I transferred it to KuCoin. I bought uh, KDA, I think at like $3. And then I think I sold a chunk of it at like, I don't know, maybe $17. And then I sold a chunk of it at like 25 bucks or something like that. And then um, I bought a little bit more on the way down as it was going down. But basically, I I think I made like around half a million bucks worth. And then I sold, I took that half a million bucks and like they paid back the the anchor loan, you know, for, you know, like, I don't know, it only took like 10% of that to pay back my loan or less. So in a, in a really, really like, you know, market where the the price is down substantially and you've had a major pullback, it's nice to be able to get access to um, sort of borrowing capacity. So you don't have to necessarily sell one token to buy another nor do you have to necessarily find because that would represent also oftentimes selling low to buy something on leverage. And then I um, would sometimes if I don't have the extra cash at the moment as well, um, the ability to borrow off of something that you want to own anyway, I think is worthwhile. So I think DeFi leverage uh, only really makes sense, like true sense, if you have an asset that you want to truly hold indefinitely. Uh, it doesn't really make good sense on assets that you're just sort of playing with sort of um, because in essence uh, loans represent illiquid positions to some extent, the way staking is somewhat illiquid. So if you want to sell quickly on an upswing, then like staking or posting it as collateral somewhere doesn't make sense. This is why like every chain has to have kind of their gold standard collateral on Terra. It was Luna on Ethereum. It's Ethereum, et cetera. So a lot of people don't mind holding Ethereum, for example, as a store of value and then borrowing against that. So that's why like you'll notice when um, I don't know, like when there's a bull market, Avalanche goes up or Solana goes up or Ethereum or whatever, you'll see that the market gets really, really frothy and every shit coin in the universe pumps. Why? Because people borrow off of their Apex asset, which they're comfortable holding, and they go buy a bunch of other shit with it. Now that can, you know, if they go too crazy with that, obviously they can risk getting themselves liquidated and they can lose their store of value asset. But, you know, that's just how the, <laughs> the world works. Uh, I think people tend to get a little bit too degen um, when they get greedy. I think 10 to 20% leverage is probably generally reasonable. Um, but even then, like on a really, really rapid downturn, um, you know, it, it could constitute a situation where you have to like sell things low to pay down your loan unless you actually cashed out um, somewhere near the top or something. So typically, if you borrow, you should almost always um, cash out your amount needed to pay back the loan. Like, at the top of the market, even if you don't feel like paying back the loan immediately, you should take that cash out or some proportion of it and have it sitting there and ready to pay back the loan if you feel like it, right? So you don't get liquidated for your primary asset. Um, so that's just a general 
concept. But anyway, as things come along on Terra and on Classic or whatever, you will start seeing some of these projects open up the leveraged platforms and everything, which can be fun to play on. Um, they can be really effective, in a, especially in a bull market. Um, and you can you can combine that with other tools like grid bots, like uh, on KuCoin or Binance. You could combine that with um, you can even combine that with leverage. So, for example, uh, let's say you have I don't know, let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of something or another. Uh, it does a ten x, so now it's worth a million dollars. Make up some numbers here. Um, but let's say over that year, that coin has a 10% yield. So you made like 10K in yield, right? You can use that 10K of yield to open up um, like maybe laddered short positions on a centralized exchange uh, closer to the top of the market. Um, or like, let's say you have a coin that's run up like maybe, I don't know, 10X or something like that. You think the upside is starting to sort of quell. The volume is dropping. You could take a short position using the yield, and that will, uh, instead of having to sell your primary asset, because you don't know exactly how far the price is going to fall, you could just take a like 5x short or something like that using the yield, and then you, it would be very similar to selling in a way. Because if the price goes down, you now have the short position that's gone up, and it count, it's a hedge against uh, the price falling. So you can use those like... Uh, short and long positions as tools as opposed to necessarily like gambling apparatuses which is what most people use them for so um yeah leverage is a hedge or like you exit a position and then you enter into sort of like a really conservative grid bot setup and that can be a useful way to uh kind of uh, de-risk a position as well so yeah a lot of different things you can do as the price of things goes up um not a bad time to maybe like just sort of like look at like what the market's doing there. Um, so let me see what's the prices and stuff today right now. Okay. So BTC is like around 21 K. So I think uh, after this um, federal reserve interest rate thing, you know um, the sort of market is deciding, you know, whether it likes that or not um, different stock prices and whatever fell. And I think uh, this, the lower, um, the prices of things go, the more likely all of those things, stocks, Bitcoin, whatever, they're going to find buyers, right? So that tends to be um, exponential in that you usually find way more buyers at the bottom than you like will at any given you know price. So it, it gets bigger, it, it gets bought up. So in the crypto space, though, I think um, my thesis is, is that like maybe worst case scenario, I don't know, Let's say BTC hits 12K for some reason. Uh, best case scenario, uh, things just sort of either stay flat or go up from here. Um, things have been flat for about six months in, from the perspective of like BTC price. That's a good long time as far as crypto is concerned. And I think a substantial move up or down is just highly probable now, just based on like the markets historically uh, in crypto. So. <laughs> I've been fooled badly before though. Like I remember, you know, in 2017 when like BTC topped out at 20K and then it dumped to like 12K and then I bought some there and it went to like 18 and then it jumps down to like maybe, you know, and then you're like, oh, I'm a genius, right? Like, you know, you buy it at six, it dropped to like 6K or 8K. 
and I think eight maybe, and I bought a bunch right there and then went back, went to like, jumped up really high, like 17 or something. I'm like, all right, yay, I made a good buy. And then of course the, the price drops to like 6K and then it waffles around six to 8K or six, 9K for almost like, I think six months or more. It really drags. And then uh, when it goes sideways that long, a lot of times you get one more dump. So I think some people are expecting that last dump, but at the same time, like we've pulled back from like, I don't know, 70,000 all the way down to like, what was it? 17 or something. So this time around, what happened is the dump was really, really quick, rapid, rapid deleveraging. So I don't know that you have to necessarily have another dump. I think most of the long positions have been, um, to, to some ext significant extent liquidated because we even dropped below the prior um, bull market high of 20k i know and i bought a lot of big i know i bought a lot of bitcoin at 20k on the way up this last time and when, there's always this issue when all these people are waiting for something to happen right it never happens yeah yeah you never know it's going to happen so well you don't know if it's going to go up or down um but i do know that like uh by the time you know you're back in a sort of bullish momentum usually it's too late like i remember i don't know like take for example the uh i think it was 2019 like i mean hold on let me pull up the chart so i'm actually speaking the correct information here um yeah if you if you guys have like a trading view app or something you can look at the chart for bitcoin uh back like i'll give you an example of one of these situations where like I can tell you like what I was thinking and I can tell you what the market actually did, which uh, oftentimes two different things. Yeah. So late uh, 2018 is when uh, BTC dumped from like 6K to 3K after just going sideways, like in a descending descending triangle kind of pattern for quite some time. So the price dumps, it uh, does kind of an Adam and Eve pattern where it like spikes down, jumps up a little bit and then like does this like rounded bowl looking appearance to the chart. And then eventually you had like a moving average cross, the 50 day moving average cross of the 200. And I mean, almost immediately, like robots started pumping the price of Bitcoin. I remember it jumping from like 3K to 6K, like very quickly. In fact, uh, let me see if I can pull up how exactly how that did. One second here. It was very interesting, like watching it play out. Um, yeah, so like it was, uh, April 2019, like the, I think it was April 1st or maybe the second, like right after like, it's like April Fool's Day or something, uh, maybe the second. And you had the price jump from 4136 uh, up to like quickly up to about, I don't know, 5460, something like that. And this happened within the course of like within a week. And then by the next month, um, uh, BTC had jumped all the way up to like May 2013. Um, then I remember there was like this Kraken event, three days, on the Kraken exchange, it was three days. Yeah, and then there was this April thing on the first. Yeah, there was. 3rd. Yeah, exactly. Then on then on Kraken there was an event. I don't know if you remember this. Like in in like May, I think there was uh, some idiot like sold a lot of Bitcoin suddenly on Kraken, and back then the oracles weren't very good. Like. Chainlink wasn't everywhere and whatever. So, like the R bots, as soon as like someone hit, someone sold too much at one time and like stripped the order book on Kraken, and the price of uh, Bitcoin like dumped like 
a serious amount in one day and freaked everyone out. Um, let me see if I can find the amount. You can actually see it on the chart. I'll tell you the it was date. From 17th of May from 8 to, well, I don't know. Yeah, the 17th of May. Exactly. That was the Kraken fat finger event, as I call it. And um, the price of Bitcoin fell from like 83.49 and it dumped down to 62.72. And I actually bought it during that event. Why? Because anytime you have like an artificial, aggressive liquidation across exchanges, um, it's a great time to buy because that means the leverage long positions are wiped out and the downside risk is lower. And then after that event, um, things continued on to about uh, 13,846. And that was by like summer of 2019. So really that little mini bull market or dead cat bounce, like the low was at 3180 in December of 2018. And it took all the way till April to start sort of like flattening out like it did now and then pump, right? So we're talking about five or six months typically. And that pump that happened in April 1st is what pushed the 50-day moving average up fast enough to do kind of a moving average cross. One of the lessons I didn't sort of think about at that time was that the 200-day moving average was really in a very steep downturn at the time. And, um, one of the the lessons that was taught to me by a bunch of people, I didn't listen, actually. I bought too much. Like, I think I bought some more BTC at like 12K at the time. And, um, you know, people were like, yeah, it's going to just dump again. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, that was kind of a dead cat bounce. And I'm like, well, I don't know. How do you know that? Like, you know, how do you know for sure? And you don't really know for sure exactly. But, you know, it's a usual market euphoria. Everyone's posting about Bitcoin again. It's Everyone's thinking it's going to go back to 20K like 2017 and the excitement was on, right? Like everyone was just all excited. But when the 200 day moving average is in a downtrend and your 50 day moving average crosses upwards, that's sort of like what I consider like a pseudo golden cross because it's still technically a situation where the 200 day moving average hasn't become flat yet. And that should that's like concerning. So that's where we are right now. The entire crypto market is exactly where we were in you know, at, uh, you know, like May, like April of uh, 2018 or just 2019. Hold on a second. Let me make sure I say that correctly. These these dates start to blend together after a while. Um, it was, yeah. So the market right now is almost very similar to April 2019. Yep, 2019. And um, so the warning here would be that like, before getting too, too euphoric about it, um, anytime you have this sort of like pseudo golden cross, the 50 day moving average crossing the 200, while the 200 day moving average still really sharply downward, then you can have this pop where prices will jump. Like at that time, BTC went from like 20K down to 3K and the dead cap bounce was to like, let's say 13K, right? So that gives an idea of the approximate um, sort of like level of the bounce like that so let's say um i don't know so that's a seventeen thousand dollars let's say you have a 50 percent pump from the bottom so if you look at where btc is now um you know you could expect a pump to like 30 to 40k or something like that pretty readily but beyond that would be difficult like there probably is not ca enough capital in the market enough buyers to push it like into a full euphoria cycle. Now, there are differences between now and before. Like, are we in a super cycle? There's way more wallets out there, way more crypto accounts. 
Uh, maybe, but we're also in a terrible economy. So I don't know. Uh, there's not as much money floating around. So a 50% pop would be, I think, pretty cool. But beyond that, I think uh, things become sort of improbable. So the I think a realization there is that it's more likely to get a higher, you're likely to get a higher upside in DeFi than you are to in Bitcoin. So while I have, you know, Bitcoin, I think the ROI on an altcoin uh, is going to be better. So, so far, like, for example, from the bottom, Adam has already done a 2x um, already. Um, I think uh, from bottom, let me think what other coins uh, have done well. Oh, my Stargaze token pretty much doubled, right? I bought like 12 grand worth a couple months ago. Now it's worth about 24. So that's just an example. So, so, so before, yeah, before you go into the coins, I just want to throw something in there about these moving averages, right? Yeah. So right now the 200 is about 24K, I think. And you were talking about the steepness. So it's still in a, in a downtrend. But have yes. in mind that uh, about, um, I think it's June 14th. That's 150 days ago. Um, we actually bottomed out, right? We had that really sharp right. drop exactly. there. Uh-huh. And what you could, what you will see is we will have a a pretty strong bend now in this 200 moving average in the next 20 days. This will flatten out because we didn't drop anymore, right? It's just the way yeah. how it works. It's, it's just but lagging, remember, right? even if we move above the 200-day moving average, right? Let's say we settle in at like 25 to 30K. It'll take the 200-day the, the moving average like to flatten out could take another six months easy, right? That's assuming. No, no, no it's not going to take that long. Just look at the curve and, and just do the math, you know, you can see it, that. No, 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 but already... it, de- it depends because what happens oftentimes is we retest the bottom again. So you're assuming that the price stays above the 200-day moving average. It doesn't, like in previous times, that's not what happened necessarily. What happened is we dumped again, remember during COVID, and we dumped all the way down to 3,500 again. So in a negative market, in a poor, like in a bad market condition overall, there is a strong tendency to double bottom. So you need to be aware of that. So like, so if I had to guess how long it's going to take for the 200-day moving average to flatten out fully, I would say you could, it could easily be a year, even if the price is higher than it is now, right? Even if we go to like, let's say the price settles in at 20 to 30K, something like that, which is not bad. You, it still takes quite a long time for the so-called smart money to decide, hey, wait a minute, we're going to jump in. Because when the smart money a lot of times jumps in or the momentum traders, they're going to jump in when you have the 200-day moving average uh, in an uptrend. They're going to watch for a capitulation type event where the 50-day moving average dumps below the 200 again, sort of like the COVID dump, and then they'll go crazy and buy. You follow what I'm saying here? So like yeah, even yeah, if the 200-day yeah. is flat, doesn't mean you don't have another dump afterwards. Yeah. So people. So should you were like basically just that. saying that we have a lot of other coins that look a lot more attractive at the moment, like Adam. Yeah. So, so the reason why I'm not buying, like, let's say I were to assume that BTC were to make a move from like, let's say 20K to 40K. Let's just say that optimistically, that's still only a 2X. Like I made a 2X on multiple coins already in the last three months. Like, I made 2x on Dogecoin last this last week, right? Like there was not even so this idea of like you know that I'm going to speculate heavily on the price of Bitcoin, it doesn't really make a whole lot of like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess you could take your profit and dump it in BTC, but it doesn't make sense to speculate on it as a core asset to me. Like I don't bother doing that too much. Does that make sense, yeah? Like because like why 
you know, because if BTC doubles, right, everything else is going to 5x easy, right? So you, that's the reason why. Yeah, especially uh, small caps. I mean, they're just that kind of liquid. That, yeah. yeah. And, and the reason for that is that people borrow off their Bitcoin. BTC whales will borrow off their Bitcoin and they'll go and buy every stupid shit coin in the world that'll everything will pump right <laughs> and then and then um everything will dump afterwards it's just normal because then the leverage has to be taken out of the system so while there's ample leverage and the collateral values are high like ethereum bitcoin collateral values are high then you're going to see more leverage and you'll see all these crazy ass pumps where fomo sets in and you know people really start going at it but like institutions like if you take like a galaxy digital and people like that they might have they might have bought some of everything like in the this bitcoin 20k range 19k like i did but they're not gonna they are gonna have their cash on the sidelines uh like they're gonna have some cash on the sidelines especially with interest rates as high as they are right they can just park that cash in the bank like those those dicks at galaxy digital like sold plenty of luna at like i don't know a hundred dollars right so they made a lot of money so if they have that in a bank now making i don't know let's say five percent interest right? They might just simply wait that out, wait like two years at 5% interest, like with a CD or some shit, take that money and then go buy Bitcoin as, you know, along the way by just DCA into it. Like they can be really, really strategic. Or every time it dips under 17, they buy it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so they're, they're, so in a bad economy, um, you should expect like if you just go back to you know study like nasdaq or you know i don't know like the dow or whatever when it crashed different times in the past in a bad economy you should not expect a v-shaped recovery which is where you have a dump and prices go straight back up um you know you should i think uh rationally expect a double or even triple bottom before people start getting really comfortable right so you may see a pump in BTC for a while, like let's say maybe it goes to, I don't know, 25, 30K, right? Uh, but it might retest like 17 again or 18, wherever it was. What was the bottom of this this recent dump? I gotta look real quick. I wasn't paying that close attention to it, honestly. Let me you see, it was- Like 18.2 or 18.1? Yeah, well here I have 17.7 on, on Bitstamp. So yeah, about 17.7 at the bottom. So let's say 18K. So uh, yeah, a retest of that, um, is not going to happen immediately, by the way. This is not like one of those things where it just bounces around at the same price. You'll have a rally. It's going to retest that at some point, more than likely. Um, uh, or even retest lower sometimes, right? Like, you never know. Um, but, yeah, long story short, like, um, uh, I've come to expect, and I think most people have come to expect these kind of dumps um, from time to time. And with euphoria comes leverage, with leverage comes a pump, then that pump, with that pump comes a dump, and uh, you don't know where that bump le that dump leads to exactly. Um, so yeah, De definitely some things to think about in terms of like market structure. But um, this coming year, um, remember, there's other things too happening. It's not like your only option in investing is crypto right now, right? Like, you know, Interest rates in the United States for just at your bank account are pretty good now. They're starting to get to a point where um, like a traditional certificate of deposit um, can make you half decent money. There are U.S. treasuries currently. If you go to the Treasury Department site, you can buy whatever those little T-bond things are. And I think I don't remember how much you can 
buy of them, like 10,000 bucks or something like that. And you can buy one of those. And uh, I think they can be used for like college education or some other bullshit anyway, but they make like 9% yield or something. Right. So they, they actually track with the current interest rate of the, um, like they, they, they track with inflation. I'm sorry. They're inflation adjusted is what they are. So as a result, like you're, you're having, you, you have other options in terms of investment things, and that is going to drag people away from, um, certain types of investments as well. Um, that, and with inflation, the way it is like, there's going to be a tendency for a lot of people to want to stay liquid. They don't want to put things into something super speculative and how to ride out a bottom if they have to go buy, you know, you know, the value meal number one at McDonald's and it's $12 or whatever. So like, you know, there's going to be some of that. Um, there's going to be all those reasons why people don't have pocket change for retail to go in and go crazy. And that's, I think one of the things that's negative for like maybe the NFT market or something like that. Like, I don't think you have a lot of people with a ton of pocket change to be buying the floor, even the floor prices of a lot of NFTs, things like that. That's, um, uh, so we'll see, but, um, yeah, the, uh, so yeah, I mean, at the same time, like when things are pessimistic are when you should be paying attention to buying anything, because that's when prices are going to be really low. Having been through multiple, multiple bear markets, like the 2000 dot com crash, the fucking like uh, real estate crash in the eighties to like I've been through so many of these things for like so long, uh, either myself or my family. And um, what you'll find is that like when these things happen, you typically either don't have the money to buy a bunch of stuff, or you get too pessimistic because everyone else is crying around you, and you tend not to. You tend to underinvest at the bottoms almost always. Part of that is because like you don't know where the bottom is, and so you you keep waiting. Hey, maybe this is the bottom. Maybe this is the bottom. So you wind up getting um you you end up not getting the best deal on anything when you think like that. Um, I, my plan is basically so if BTC um like let's say it were to drop below like fifteen k, then I've got like I don't know uh like I think like probably like six months of my wife and I's salary. And we'll just dump it in there, right? Like, like, so we have it in cash; it's available. And if we have a nice, you know, big deep drop, then I have that available to buy some things. If not, so what? Like, big deal. Like, I'll just wait, right? Do some, you know, look for little small opportunities. So I think the two biggest opportunities are if you have a mega dump in the market, you get some of those things. If that mega dump does not come, then buy brand new things that are fresh that are showing up on the market, like, um, new coins and, you know, new projects and stuff like that. So for example, I went and bought like Google stock this morning and I'm up 4%. I felt like it was a good time to start getting into it because the price to earnings ratio dropped to about 17 and I was yeah, like, all right, I'm going to start or, buying. Or think about meta, right? I mean, whatever they did to get punished that much, but they have money and they can find people. They're still a big company, right? I mean, they're back to, it was 2016 levels right now. And yeah, I don't know if the company comes back, but if that's not a good entry point, I don't know if it will fall another 50%. Right? Yeah. I don't think the, thing it will, is, right? the thing is, uh, if you haven't been through some tech explosions before, so before, like uh, one of the older sort of like tech 
things was automobiles actually at one point in history now they're all just sort of like boring but at one point like cars you know like i don't know ford motor company and all these different things were really popular and um you'll notice that during their growth phase they have these crazy p to e ratios and high multiples i remember things like uh pre-dot-com bubble like your ibms and all those things right they had a really high priced earnings multiple and then when the market crashed and growth was like really being discounted out of the system you saw that like the price really really would drop and then there were the companies that could rally like they could really make um you know like companies like boeing and others that like really kind of took on new life and then there's other just others that just sat like boring, like high like dividend earning stocks that just got stuck at low prices, and they just keep paying it all out in dividends basically. Um, and they they, you know, just give their revenue back to their um, customers. So interesting about thing about Facebook is, it neither has a clear growth path right now, nor does it pay out any dividends. Right, so it's not actually even paying out the money that it's making. So it's like, what are they using all that money they're making on? Do they have a growth trajectory with that? That's what's bothering people right now. So yeah, what you said is true. Like even if Google's um, price to earnings ratio is 17, there's nothing necessarily keeping that from going sub 10 and dropping another 50% from where it is now. So that freaks people out when you say that because they have their retirement accounts and you know IRAs and all that shit in there. But like <laughs> I've, been this, I've been through this enough to know that like, yeah, you, you have no idea how bad these things can get and how long they can take to get better. Like the dot-com crash, the NASDAQ took 10 years to recover back to its previous levels, 10 years. So this idea that like, oh, well, it'll be a couple of years of recession and all that shit, nobody knows, right? Because the government debt is now expanding faster than the possibly the ability to pay it back, at least in the United States. So there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of things that the government can print money and just sort of like keep like healthcare running and all this other shit. Right. So like, you know, um, so you could have a very protracted, um, like you could have a decade long event, like, or like in Japan where they had like stagflation and stuff like that. So yeah, you can, you never can predict these things to automatically come back quickly, which is why stocks are falling so badly. Right. Because people are going to cash because they're like, shit, like I need money to eat and stuff. Like retirees, like people my parents' age and stuff, they're like, wait a minute, I want to be able to like enjoy my retirement, not have my retirement shit go down, and then I die before like I can even spend any of it, right? So a lot of retirement assets now just got their ass kicked. So that's further going to cause issues for the economy, and th those people aren't going to jump. The baby boomers, um, and I know the word boomers used a lot on the internet to be whatever the fuck people want, but actual baby boomers <laughs> that are in the like now in their like 70s 80s whatever they're not interested in buying stock again right all of those no. people are going to be exiting they're the stock market using cash and going on their retiring yeah they're going to go retire or whatever um yeah. and um they're not going to be like oh yeah i'm going to start investing no definitely not they're going to so, travel or whatever they're going to yeah do. <laughs> uh army did you have a question or something or yeah, just wanted to say thanks for all the information, really. I, I do have to shoot off. I just didn't want to leave without having, you know, sort of saying, obviously, thank you. And, um, you know, I just didn't want to be rude. Really. Oh, no. So, yeah, thanks for all you the just, information. With spaces, really good detailed description. With just spaces, you can just hop on and off whenever. It's just kind of whatever. <laughs> like, people just come and go. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's yeah, cool. that's cool, man. Yeah. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to seem blunt. Like I just come in for just you know a couple of answers and then just left. But yeah, yeah thanks a it's, lot. It's, I really appreciate it, and um, I'll be back to more of your spaces for sure. Yeah, cool. Good having you around. Uh, hey, HL, what's up, man? 
Are you there? Do you have any questions or anything about anything? Anyone hot feels free to hop up, by the way. If you have any insights or some interesting coin to shill or something that I should be buying. <laughs> I, I usually like to crowdsource and just like, hey, what do I buy? And I just go buy it. Don't worry about it too much. Throw a few bucks at a few things and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if HL is even there. Hey, did you look actually into that WooCoin, W-O-O? Um, WooCommerce? Um, I heard a lot of yeah. talk about it. Um, and uh, I never bothered messing with it. I probably, it might be a good time to do so. I don't know. Um, uh, just look at the chart. What's yeah, Let me pull it up real quick. How does it look? I'm sure, well, all the crypto chart looks very similar. So has it pumped yet? Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, I would say you could say that. Yeah, it's not not too much, but I think it could actually rock it quite a bit. You know? Yeah, it's hit its look, it's hit its two hundred day moving average just today. Um, yeah. So it's like right at about nineteen cents. It's low at the very bottom was ten cents. So it's done a two x from its bottom. Um, as far as like I don't know what's its market cap let me see let me check coin gecko for a second so if you look at its market cap it's uh see number 164 in the rankings um it has like a crushed chart as almost everything does uh its top what at the top of the market was a dollar 64 230 million right now. yeah it was like a buck 64 actually wait it says on here at the top it was a buck 78 uh, it's down 90%, 89% from the all-time high, even now. So, yeah, it looks like it's reasonable. Um, I don't know the, let's see, it's got a market cap of $230 million right now with a trading, oh, volume, a trading volume of only $31 million. And its fully diluted valuation is $580 million. So I would say for sort of like an altcoin, shitcoin type of thing, um it's got uh a current available supply of 1.2 billion with a max supply of three so that's why its fdv is so high um i don't know i'm not sure how good its revenue like value accrual model is and everything and whether it's truly over or undervalued right now um these are the kinds of things though that if btc takes a, a dump one more time these will all be like really really nicely priced so um i yeah. i don't know i'm not sure like so I, and the other thing is i don't know if woo has a a catalyst or a story over the next few months so one thing to bear in mind is like you would like to have something that has a rect chart has a potential to bounce that hasn't bounced yet and you also want some sort of story to push the price ideally over the next month so for example let me see what happened to my link purchase here so I'll, oh, it's looking good. So I yeah. bought Link at seven fifty. This was like this week. Uh, when did I buy it? Well, I doubled my money on that Dogecoin thing, and then I took that money. I dumped into Link at seven fifty, and and Link is now at eight eighty. Let's see what happened to Dogecoin. By the way, like what would have happened if I just left it there? Oh, no good. No good. So let's see I'm here. Um, Bruce did the right thing in just putting in a bot at that price. Um, on doge because like it's got the volume so it's at um so i sold doge at like 15 cents or something and now it's at about 13 cents so 
Yeah, I did the right thing by swapping it to Link. But why did I do Link? Because they had that staking thing coming out in December. And the closer it gets, the more inquiries there'll be on Twitter. Like, hey, how do I do this staking thing? Or, you know, how do I, you know, there'll be YouTube videos and other bullshit. So as soon as all that hype comes up, uh, people have a tendency to remember a coin when they see it mentioned over and over again. And then they're like, wait, maybe I should buy Link again. And then by that time, you know, it'll have already jumped from like, 750 where i bought it to probably 14 dollars plus and then that last little pump will be to 21 or something 22 so i think uh link i'm gonna hold for like a 3x so i bought like i don't know what was it uh so i, I got i had like 20 10k worth of doge it like went to about twenty thousand dollars yeah it went to about twenty thousand bucks worth of value i took that 20k dumped it in link and i think i'll sell it when it's worth about 50 to 60k something like that that's what I'm going to do. So, um, but that's the reason, like to have a narrative on top of the technicals that's relatively short term, because I don't really care to own Link that much anymore. I don't really care to own Dogecoin anymore. I'm just fucking around with them, right? I'm just speculating. So just for people to understand, like I'm not interested in keeping them or being a bag holder for a long time. So the only way I was going to be interested in buying them is if they got totally crushed and Link at like 750 was a good buy overall. Cause it like it's top was like 50 bucks or something like, you know, it doesn't have that much downside and there's some catalysts coming. So I was like, all right, let's just go for it. And that's why I picked that one. But yeah, if there's other things that have catalysts, certainly um, it can be worth it. The other thing too, is I don't want to go and like explore a bunch of fucking exchanges and get to like weird DeFi things. If I can get it like on an exchange that I already play on like a KuCoin or a Coinbase or, and then I can buy it like in Cosmos or, uh, you know, something like that. I can. I don't have to go jump through a bunch of hoops and open up new wallets and other bullshit. I'm not that... In, like, there's so many things to speculate on. Like, I don't want to manage 10 wallets. It's idiotic. Like, why would, why would I want to do that? I'd rather be able to keep an eye on a few things. And, uh, like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't diversify so much where my attention is spread everywhere. But anyway, uh, Blaze, did yeah, you have makes a... Sense. Hey, Sefi, yep. uh, one more question. Um, um, if you if you look at the the recent dumps that we have, the sudden dumps, they were pretty much happening on the days when we get the CPI read, or we get a really sharp, surprising hike right from the Fed. I mean, that dumped the SPX and then crypto just followed. It was kind of interesting that this time it didn't, you know, because it looked pretty bad on the stock markets, but Bitcoin was pretty resilient right now, right? So, but I'm still thinking I like think- we got this next... My thesis for that is there's that the reason why I think crypto is starting to pick up again is because the technicals look good and almost like a lot of crypto is on technicals. Like that's where the smart money starts to buy because there's no like there's no perfect valuation in crypto. So it's like these are some of the reasons why people start buying. And also because if I buy stock today, I can't I can't reliably expect it to really make a serious rally over the next year. So it's like if I buy a stock right now, it's like I'm a bag holder basically for God knows how long. And it, and for that matter, it could, the NASDAQ could still drop another 50% without dropping a sweat except for Apple, which I think is much harder for that to happen. But even yeah. Apple, I think it's – even Apple has been at lower price to earnings ratios than this. Like it's been down at 15 before in the past. So I remember buying it at 15. And um, Yeah. So but my, my question really was like, um, okay, the, the next CPI rate is on the 10th, right? And if we get something which have, has a seven handle, which could happen, you know, 
um, I think we really see this whole thing, everything skyrocketing, right? Because they're like, uh, yeah. they're fighting inflation. But if we don't, um, should we pay attention and think of like reducing our exposure at that point? Because we might get a really sharp dump into like everyone's crying and screaming and getting crazy. Or what? What? what how would you react? I don't know. Like right now, so uh, I think because we're going up until the tenth. That's just what it is, you know. I mean, yeah, it's just gonna happen. Like, like right now, in my liquid assets, I'm something like fifty percent cash. Uh, I still work. And my wife does too, so we we make money still. So I have fifty percent cash, maybe at the moment, and like fifty percent in my actual trading. Uh, area where I can buy and sell. There's other stuff in crypto that I just hold it. Uh, so I don't really include that in the discussion very much just because I don't mess with it at all. But like uh, I'd say about 50-50. So I think, um, and and it's 50-50 now because the market rallied, right? Like I bought um, like the prices that I went and continued to buy like Adam and all the different Cosmos coins that I talk about and everything. Many of those have already rallied like 50%, no, like they've already done a two X actually. Right. So, um, compared to what I put in, I've already doubled that. And now my crypto portfolio, even with like, I don't know, like Luna locked investing and stuff is about now back up to about 50% of my, the same, it's, it's about the same value as my cash position now. So like I have plenty of cash available if I want to buy more stuff, like that's my plan. So if like, we take another dump or maybe like a double bottom in Bitcoin, like maybe it goes down to 17 K again or something like that. Then I'll just, I'll buy heavy again at that time. Um, the other thing too, is like, as prices go up, I am either holding on, I'm holding on to my yields and not restaking them. That way, if we get like a crazy leverage based pump or like a dead cap bounce with this 50 day moving average cross happening, um, so if we get like this cross and then like we have a rally, then at least if I sell my, um, yield in that rally, then technically speaking, I could use my yield to like, maybe, I don't know, like, for example, you know, strategically short the market at some point, or I can use my yield to like, just like stay in cash. And then if another dump happens, I can use that to buy more as well. So yeah, I mean, like to the extent that that would be considered some kind of selling. Mm, I I have a lot of it that I just have staked though. I have like some um, e gold staked EGLD. I have Adam staked. I've got like Secret staked. I've got um, I don't know like whatever Stargaze staked. Most of that stuff is um, my Luna, um, whatever. All of that stuff is staked at this point, so it's not going anywhere. But as long as the the yield is liquid, you can use it for stuff from time to time. That's kind of my idea. That so that's like a plan. Or or even like you could buy NFTs when the market dumps too. Um, so there's different like whatever you're going to buy, you want to buy low, but have plenty of cash on hand, uh, especially in this kind of economy, is not a bad plan. So anyway, where's uh, Bruce? By the way, I don't know. I don't know where he went. Like I sent him a thing to come on and he's i don't know where he is he might be busy um blaze did you have like there's some other folks here that i think popped up to do questions uh, blaze any thoughts What's up, everybody yeah what do you think yeah no just chilling man uh got a couple of things going on but um i've been talking about radiant capital for a while it's on arbitrum um 
And it's same as, you know, Adam and all the other ones. I've kind of DCA'd in when it's lower and everything's like two or three X, right? And it's that weird spot. You think about, oh, should I take my initial investment out? But then I'm in that same position you are with about 50% cash and 50% crypto. And, oh, well, maybe a little more in crypto because I'm full DGEN NFT guy. So, <laughs> uh, but anyways, Radiant Capital is pretty interesting. I mean, it's, um, they're doing an airdrop too. So showing activity on the blockchain is a good thing. And I know you don't like spreading yourself thin, but um, it's a, it's an interesting cat. I mean, you, you can, I haven't dug into the borrowing side of it, but um, I bought early and uh, I'm up quite a bit right now, but I'm in a weird spot where it's like, yeah, I I take I my profits out. From, yeah. I haven't played on Arbitrum at all. Like for any particular reason, do you, do you like it for any reason? Like, are there some things there that you like that you can't get, say for example, in Cosmos or something or. Yeah. I mean, it's fast. It, it's fast as well. And plus it's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm part of the Luna crew. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I went exploring right after the, the whole Luna event sure, sure. and uh, yeah. it's, it's the only thing I really like. I mean, other than waiting on Luna to get back up and rolling and getting excited about the projects coming out in the next few months, but um, it's, it's nice. It, it, it is really smooth. I mean, uh, you know, it's yeah, MetaMask. It has a lot of the Ethereum volume. So, um, yeah, you, you probably can't go too, too wrong there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it's got a lot of activity too. And I mean, if you compare it to Aave or something, it's, it's a low cap. And um, yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still early days. So it's something where it, you, you lock it up and then uh, what's available in like 21 days or something like that. And then you can unlock it. But if you want to withdraw early, the fees go towards the people who are locked up. So it's, a, it's an interesting little uh, DeFi setup. And uh, it's it's one that I uh, I recommend yeah, all looking those, into. All those little, all those little sort of like mini DApps um, are going to have a tendency to have really strong like pump and dump type mechanics too. Exactly. So well, you, you know what I like about care- it too. You have like, to be careful about the strategy there generally. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've been I've been in it long enough where my yield is already pretty much you know it paid me well, and I took that yield and degen in a bunch of NFTs. But that's just me. <laughs> but uh, the payment, uh, they pay out in uh, RDNT, 60%, DAI, uh, USDT, USDC, uh, WETH, and WBTC. So that's the interesting side of things too, right? So the rewards are paid out in stablecoin and ETH and BTC, which we don't see often. So yeah, just check into it, look into it. Um, Another thing I had, uh, what do you think of Luna? I don't really understand the back end of things on the way that they locked our, our tokens, but a couple of us have a lot of Luna vested, right? Do you think in the in the future they can do something where we can utilize that as collateral or will that be locked until... No, you know it's, what I mean? pretty much, it's pretty much vested and stuck unless you buy new Luna or something like that. Okay. Um, I'm not aware of anyone issuing some kind of like token for simply holding like using your staked assets as some sort of like collateral i don't think there's a way to do that mechanically right Um, exactly that's how i was was curious if doe would come up with something creative some anchor (laughs) 2.0 delegate that to the b luna um and you can get a liquid stake derivative out of your luna right now Oh, you can if you stake it to the the bone. Yeah, you can't you can't redelegate though. At this stage, you have to undelegate, wait the twenty one days, and then delegate it to B Luna. But and 
that will be collateral shortly. So exactly what you're looking for is is out there, friends. Oh, sweet. Thanks, man. Backbone Labs, check it out. Will do. Give me just a second. I'm kind of at a drive through. I got to get some food. <laughs> but uh, yeah, tell them, tell us about the the, the Bone Labs thing and, and what that's all about. Yeah. Uh, so I I mean right now it's it's just an a liquid staking derivative. There's no way to use it as a collateral yet. It's it's auto compounding, so it's different in that way from the old Beluna. It doesn't have like the rewards paid out separately. Um, the all of the performance fees, as they call it, I guess, you know, the, the fees the protocol takes for providing its service, 70% of that goes to the LP providers and 30% goes to the skeleton punk DAO. So in some way, shape or form, all of the fees are being like redistributed. Um, and then I don't know a whole lot about it, but the Capapult, I think, it's called is is coming out with their stable coin shortly soft they're calling it a soft peg stable coin and you'll be able to use this bone luna as collateral to take out a deposition on with their stable coin so that that could be interesting some uh, you can do some degen looping with your vested luna i guess in the future okay interesting yeah I, like i just have my luna vested and um like even if I, it's actually makes a, quite a lot in yield. So even unstaking for twenty one days is a considerable amount of money in my case. So it's like uh, I'll probably just keep mine vested for the most part, and mine doesn't get released till next year between May and November of like next year. So my Luna is pretty much stuck for quite some time, which yeah, is fine. Whatever. The big chunks yeah. there, they put a little chunk up front and then the big chunk a year, about a year out, which is fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm not planning on selling anyways. That's the thing with my Luna. <laughs> and that, that's what got me in the little pickle that we're in. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Right. That is one concern <laughs> I have about the bone Luna, though. I wonder if um, some people who want out might try and use it as a like in a you know an escape route which could just like knock knock the b luna way off peg or off you know off whatever it's supposed to be right somebody can get left holding a bag they don't want oh you're like yeah i mean it's, it's gonna drive the price down because people are gonna use it as ex exit liquidity or something yeah yeah they might just yeah just use it as a way to get out of their luna position they don't want to be holding well, I don't know. I think uh, where the market cap of Luna is now uh, is fairly reasonable. <clears throat> there are a lot less interesting projects that are even more over more valued than Luna is. So I think the I don't have a lot of concern even with the unlocks necessarily, um, and especially with this feather um, project that's happening. And you know that TFL is doing stuff. I think that my suspicion is that, like, let's say, um, I don't know, let's say a year to two years from now or whatever, when, um, you know, all of our Luna is released and we're able to do whatever we want with it. I think uh, if I had to guess, we're probably going to be at like 10 to $20 Luna at that point. If um, all these projects that are being initiated are doing well and the market's doing well. So I don't know. I think we'll do okay. I think it depends on what price you bought Luna at originally. 
but um uh even my like so even my airdrop if it's worth i don't know ten dollar to twenty dollar luna i'll be pretty happy about that honestly so it's worth uh it's worth worth supporting uh tfl's initiative initiatives to create a cool cosmos chain um but basically what they're producing to keep a long story short is they're basically doing what adam 2.0 is attempting to do except that the adam 2.0 vote looks still kind of contentious actually let me see what that votes at now uh one second so there's a vote if you if you have adam and you haven't voted uh, you should mm, but there is a proposal is that 82 which one was that yeah it's 82 and it's currently at 61% yes, 12.7% abstain, and 25.6% no with veto. I'm not sure what the veto thing's all about. But Dokia Cap- Capital and something stake, some couple of the validators voted no. I'm not sure why they did the veto, just to be assholes or something, but or maybe they really are not a fan of it at all or some reason. I'm not sure why. What's but, this what's this Adam Adam one? Is that like a is that like a counter proposal or something to Adam V2? Isn't there another theme? It's even less fleshed out, but it's Jay Kwan that put that out there. The original founder of Terra. I see, I see. The problem with um, that proposal is, um, I don't know, It's the main thing it's trying to do is prevent the creation of a centralized treasury. But it is actually even less fleshed out and like you know jay kwan just sort of he just he just posted it one sec man he just posted it like jay just posted that as a a follow-up to um jay just posted that as a follow-up to what he didn't like about uh the adam 2.0 thing so since jay wasn't heavily involved with the discussions about creating adam 2.0 the only thing he could do is react to it but he didn't exactly have some mega counter proposal that he's been working on for a year to sort of like, you know, um, you know, do something differently. So in the blockchain space, it's whichever protocol you can post and whichever proposal you can post, whatever you have coalition to build and you have enough voters to vote yes on and you have money to produce. Right. And at the end of the day, so we'll see what happens because Adam too, like the vote being kind of contentious, I think it's got to make, I don't know what, vote it has to have to get quorum is it like 67 percent or what i'm not sure um but <laughs> it's it's still kind of uh contentious not like 40 something percent of people have voted already which is a lot like we'll see what kind of um who else votes when it comes closer of course the validators will vote as time comes closer but i think coinbase typically sits these things out so that the community can decide as opposed to them picking something um anyway we'll see but i think coinbase made a comment at some point that they were not excited about the atom 2.0 idea because of the formation of a treasury and like a dow and all this sort of stuff so the biggest complaint about atom 2.0 was these issues about a treasury and such in the meantime terraform labs they went and just basically created atom 2.0 for the last six months but they did it with terra instead so like, basically Terraform Labs front run that entire thing. And um, the last conversation I had with Do Kwan, which was like, I don't know, this morning, he implied that they were going to try to form an alliance with some different groups and then try to get this thing out by like before end of year. 
is the, you know, because I asked him specifically, like, what do you think the timeline on this thing is? And he's like, yeah, we're trying to push this whole thing out by end of year. So that's a big deal. Like, that's basically like a Cosmos hub, but on Terra instead. Uh, so, yeah, like, as these things come out, like, I think this is a, a good counter to the unlocks for the vesting tokens. And you might see Luna jump quite a bit as a result of this stuff. So not financial advice type of thing, but that's the insider knowledge. So I'm sharing here. Maybe um, his handshake emoji was a sign, huh? <laughs> well, that handshake was with Will Chen. Will was used to be a TFL member. Okay. He, he went his separate ways to do other things. And I don't know if that handshake means Will's kind of helping or some shit. But Will's a smart kid, too. I so I call him a kid because everyone's a kid compared to me. But that's like, <laughs> but Will's a smart kid. <laughs> I think Will works on like dev tooling and stuff. Uh, I think that's what he focuses on a, a lot of energy on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he uh, he tweeted something yesterday or the day before saying basically he was looking for a job. And I DM'd him saying that Do Kwan was looking for help, you know, but he, on his deleted tweet. And I said, he stole my thunder, man. So I'm glad he's still sticking around. <laughs> I don't know if Will's looking for a job or he was like posting one for someone he knows. I'm not sure. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, but yeah, what's up, Alex? Hey, thanks for letting me speak. I just uh, wanted to get your take on um, a token and your take on um, what you think the real uh, chances of viability is on Luna Classic, because, you know, I go into these spaces and I hear, um, you know, people talking about the terror rebels, that they're doing things, um, you know, coding wise, that's that could be done in a few weeks and it's taking them five, six months to do and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm just I don't know. I'm an investor in it. I'm kind of confused. Um, so I don't know. Now, I just, what it is is TFL. Terraform Labs could have like done all the things needed within like days. And the reason is because they understood the code. They understood the changes they made to the Cosmos SDK. Apparently they didn't put very much documentation into their code. So it's like, it's like a fucking, like a, it's like a, it's a labyrinth of figuring out what to do. Um, so it sounds like these are pretty good coders um, from the conversations um i've seen and i'm I'm in one of those like you know little whatever twitter groups i don't know why i get added to these things i guess to make sure some adult is supervising everything or some shit anyway i'm kind of watching what they're doing talking back and forth and what it is is there's a lot of coordination needed because some of the things that need to be updated they needed tfl's help for so like i know doe has helped a little bit more i know everyone likes to dump on him for whatever reason but he helped um dr kim a bit to try to um, you know, kind of get a few resources needed to answer questions and fix a few things to bring it up to speed with the right, you know, then like IBC was disconnected uh, from the osmosis decks and there are stranded, stranded uh, Luna classic assets on osmosis frontier still. So um, <clears throat> osmosis has already done their job of uh, fixing their shit, but apparently Excuse me, I was getting a phone call. Um, apparently, cr fixing the shit uh, on Terra's side, on the Terra Classic side, is a bit more difficult. So 
no, it's not so easy as like, well, just throw in a few devs there and boom, you're good to go. Um, the original Terraform Labs devs aren't there, right? So these guys are trying to put all these pieces together, sort it all out, getting help from uh, like Jacob from Osmo, you know, who works usually with Osmosis uh, or with Sunny with Osmosis. So there's quite a few people in the chat. And, you know, a lot of people have day jobs too. It's like nobody's paying these people anything yet. Remember, they have to go to work. Uh, and then, you know, and then they have to coordinate with each other on top of the fact they all have day jobs. So that's what's going on. Um, they're working on it. They're, they're getting things, um, they're getting things fixed up. So we'll see. Mm, I think, I don't, I think they'll make it, they'll make, they'll get there. Do you think there's any chance that, um, you know, I don't know. It seems like from what I'm hearing that, you know, Do Kwan is, you know, that and I've heard you say that he's helping out with people that are asking for help and getting things done on Luna Classic, that he'd be willing to lend some of his personnel from TFL to to help the Luna Classic he, blockchain. He, he kind of already has a little bit, but like there's nothing in it for him anymore to really do a whole lot. Mm, like he wasn't really like he was expecting fully expecting that when Luna Classic spun off that people wouldn't give a shit and wouldn't buy the token and would just simply go away like nobody thought anyone would do anything with it so <laughs> he had not planned to run two blockchains or you know whatever the hell so this was all sort of like a community driven effort to do this and as such like everyone is like came in and has been learning uh, what's needed to make things work so i think just a matter of patience with it and that's what it is right and 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 the other thing is like so we're trying to get parity with v2 um essentially you're going to be having twin blockchains is in and from a from a um investing perspective you know i well, it's I not don't... just twins uh the, all the cosmos blockchains are like you know many of them are cosmosm capable you know, smart contract chains like Juno, Crypto.com, um, like uh, Terra, like, I don't know, what else do we have? Stargaze. So there's a lot of them. It's not just Luna Classic or even Luna. Mm, so, yeah, that should be factored into any kind of investing thesis you might have. Um, there's quite a market out there of different credible projects, um, not just this. That's that's one of the things I've tried to, like, made, make very clear to people that, are here that are new that maybe bought Luna Classic as the first thing they ever bought, or maybe like they're new to DeFi or something. There's a whole world out there. And so um, you do have to decide like um, where you want to put your attention and where you want to put your capital mm, given that fact. Right. So. Definitely. And this is my last question. I just want to ask you if you are familiar with Phantom at all FTM uh -huh. and what your take is on that. Why it's so undervalued at this point? Well, FTM had lots of issues. So it had issues with, I think, founders. I think one of the founders left. And and then they had, I don't remember if Phantom also had a hack of some kind. I don't remember the history of it. I didn't play with Phantom at all, so I'm not qualified to really say anything useful about it, except that they had a lot of like negative sort of things sort of happen over the last year. Um, so I don't know. Like, what is? Let me see what it's worth right now. Hold up um it's like 26 cents or something like that it had a little run what's the market cap at now let's see ftm 
Mm, yeah, so it's so it's basically looks like the, every other chart kind of you know has been crushed. Uh, had a little bit of a run up uh, over the past you know month or whatever. I think it went down to about twenty cents. Now it's about twenty seven, which is only about a fifty percent pop. A lot of other ch- coins have done like more of a two x. Um, its market cap now is $700 million with a fully diluted market cap of 870. Um, but the trading volume is really high, at least right now it's like 390 million, which is probably a good sign. Um, so yeah, maybe it might be a good buy. I don't know. Like, do you know very much about what's happening on Phantom right now? Uh, does it, are are there some stories? Well, I mean, the only thing I heard is that, you know, because I joined their telegram is that their founder has, you know, kind of reactivated his Twitter account and his um, posting logos about or for his for Phantom, you know, that speculation he might come back or something to that nature. Um, but I just didn't know if you knew anything about because they have they do have a lot of DeFi projects um on their blockchain and if you know i mean if 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 what they I'm, have I'm on not, there is, is quality fully, and... yeah i'm not fully sure of what number one the tech is for phantom like i don't know what like there's what software they're running essentially how good is it like how does it compare with some of the uh sort of like zk roll-up based things like you know elron network and this and that <clears throat> so I don't know where it sits from a tech perspective off the top of my head. I would probably look at that before doing any kind of buying a phantom. They have enough like sorted history to fuck with without worrying about the tech also. So for example, uh, like Terra is a good example, has a big sorted history now too, right? But the difference is, is that at least they're, you know, there's people in the background that are technically capable, whether you like it or not. They have always done a good job there. So I don't know. We'll have to see. But um, I'm not sure about Phantom. I really. Okay. Thanks for your time. In, I appreciate so it, man. I'm going to have to. Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, Trader we can get next. But let me get a phone call for a second. Um, if you guys want to chat about whatever for a moment, I got to take this real quick. Yeah, I'll yeah, jump cool. in. Yo, Alex. Yeah, I was. Uh invested in in phantom quite a bit and i was around when they did the two ohm and three ohm with all the DeFi projects and um i mean i got in and got out on a lot of them but literally there were really hard pump and dumps that the tech was great but again the people behind it were always kind of unknown so it, i mean why why decentralize is great you know it can have its dark sides too which was a lot of like site completely down kind of thing right everything would crash and vanish <laughs> so you had a lot of projects come up they were great they worked great but then they just disappeared so just i would say it's a little early on phantom and we'll see what the uh, andres or whatever coming back uh to see how he uh how he's involved but um yeah, yeah it's uh I, I would give phantom a little time but again it, it's been slaughtered it's down 90 something percent from an all-time high or whatever so um maybe a good dca price to start exactly so the thing is like when uh there's this concept of max seller exhaustion so when fud has and, and everything else in time have played out 
um you know like what kind of bad news would happen to phantom to have it dump um at this stage versus like just the general market dumping obviously right that's what you have to ask yourself is all the bad news basically over or not and if the answer is yes then the the probability of it being kind of an up only token at that point is much higher so yeah like max fud is really um you know i don't know it's it's a good place to start generally speaking it just seems like you know i didn't know whether or not the team that was left behind after the owner had vacated um was really going to have the capability of sustaining it and making the project grow i mean if 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 the project can live or die on one man that's a little scary kind of like cardano what if like what if charles hoskins god forbid something the guy had a heart attack or something what happens to cardano it's like dirty <laughs> well you know it, you know but who knows yes you you're talking about centralization yeah. risk yeah anytime you have like a thing reliant on a single founder yeah you have you have a possibility of trouble that, but the thing is with the, the the single founder especially like do Quan, why i support everything he does right now and same with all these young guys i mean the cardano community seems to have their shit together right it seems to be a good com- good community so if something happens to charles I think that's that one community that's pretty evolved, whereas a lot of other communities really rely on that person spearheading, right? But um, yeah, it's that's always that risk-reward kind of thing. But I really think that projects need somebody like Doquan. Doquan, he was a massive reason why Luna did so well is because the way he mark you know the way he was vocal it's and the was business out there. Devel- it's the business development stuff right right where, where you look at eos right eos is just it's like the u.s government like I, I love it i have a lot of friends at eos and you know i i, I wish i wish them well and i i have a little bit invested and i'm on and off it a little bit but uh it's it's something the, the government side of things the governance is so like intense and boring and long maybe that's needed but it's they don't have like a you know somebody spearheading it. I mean, before Dan was there and and Brandon, but I mean, they, you know how that went. I mean, they just kept jumping from project to project and never finishing anything. And you can kind of see where it was leading. But now that the community's involved with with EOS and they're in control, and Eves um, and a couple of others are kind of spearheading it, but still, it doesn't have that same momentum. Everything takes a long time. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe tenure view on something like eos is a good way to envision it in this dca and as well but you'll never have that if if you look at like you mentioned cardano a minute ago it's like the one of the negatives for them if you just pull up their like chart you know what you'll notice is is like it's about a eight and nine and a half percent retracement from the top okay and then another metric would be like how did they do from the bottom of um the 2020 crash so let me pull up that real quick and draw it and see what that is because i think those two metrics tell you quite a bit as far as the the like how the market feels about everything from the tokenomics to ultimately the um like how how strong are the owners as far as holding the coin versus like retail people who tend to just come and go so give me just a second let me check this real quick um so let's see here all right okay so from the bottom of 2020's pandemic dump 
Cardano's at about a 17x. Ethereum's at, I think, 16x or 17x. And I think Atom is like at a 15x from the very, very bottom. So if you bought in the right time, you did pretty well. Now, that doesn't mean that Cardano didn't dump 90% from the top, though. So, um, you know, is that good or is that bad? That's up to you guys to decide. But I think Adam dropped from, I think, $45 to where it is now at about 15 now. So that gives an idea of where it is in terms of current retracement and everything. But, yeah, when push comes to shove, like, people can talk community and whatever other bullshit. But at the end of the day, it's like, is your community actually holding the coin? Or, it, or is your community full of large, largely people that showed up just to buy it in order to sort of sell the top? Um, you know, so are, how many hodlers do you actually have to me is an important metric. So I think Cardano hasn't done that much differently than Ethereum or Atom necessarily in that time frame, even though there's a 90% drop. <laughs> so uh, for whatever that's worth, that's, that's and, one of the ways I analyze these things. And I guess, I guess when you look at the staking ratio, that could kind of... Um answer that question like luna classic they're only being like 12 and a half percent of the overall is being staked that maybe tells the story of where people's mindset are on holding well luna's, luna classic's a totally different beast because like over the last six months we were able to get the thing to pump quite a bit right just through due to attention and that shit didn't happen because of just chance like between Bruce and myself and like a bunch of people posting on Reddit and whatever, like some of our wall street bets, friends and stuff. Like there's a reason Luna classic went up and it wasn't just sort of like just fanfare. Um, Binance kind of popularized it because of the volume as well, but it was mostly just a lot of speculators. So I'd be very careful about how much of the supposed Luna classic community is actually going to hold on the way down. Um, like I, I, I'll be happy to be proven wrong. But like m many things will pump to that velocity and, you know, ha and there's many projects that have way more stuff on them. Like, for example, Phantom, who uh, is priced significantly lower in market cap than Luna Classic, right? So there's a long way down to go in theory. So people should be aware of that. Like, I hate to FUD your shit or whatever, but like the reality is, is that there it's like you have to compare apples to apples with like what other blockchains do with whatever yours does. And like, you know, like what are the comparables in the market? So for example, if I were to go to my neighborhood and my house was worth a million dollars and all the other houses in the neighborhood were worth $300,000, um, people are gonna be like, wait a minute, like why is this house worth so much? What's so special about it? And they're gonna ask an important question. Am I gonna be able to sell it for a million dollars if I buy it for a million dollars, right? They're gonna be like, why is it so expensive compared to everything else? So the comparables, um, I think should be looked at when you look at blockchain, both in features and also in uh, market cap and everything. So, well, yeah, right. A lot of people yeah. on a classic are kind of being held hostage to, to the um, euphoria and this promise of a dollar and a cent and everything. Yeah. Like, but like, but like, why the dollar, right? Or why the cent, right? Just a, it's just a fixed so they can become millionaires, right? <laughs> so they yeah, can build right. it. <laughs> Someone else will come and buy it. No, like, yeah. so when the price, when the market cap was like minuscule, like, I don't know what it was, like $100 million or whatever, it's really, really easy to pump the price of the coin using social media, like levers. So whether that's YouTube videos, Reddit groups or whatever. So there's a reason why it was palatable to do that at that time. It's harder at this market cap 
to pump it 10x. Like, who's going to come buy it? Right. I mean, here we are, like, debating whether Phantom's any good. Like, what specifically does Luna Classic have on it yet at this point? Not very much. So, yeah, like, so that's, there's a long term vision there. And, like, if you were to look at Juno as a, a good comparable, I would look at Juno, J U N O. I would look at that as a comparable of a Cosmos blockchain that's community centered. Uh, it's not a venture capital based chain. Um, and actually, let me pull up the market cap or whatever while we're at it right now, just so you know. Um, its market cap is $204 million with a fully diluted valuation of $600 million. So it's, it's an inflationary coin, and um, it does everything that Luna Classic does and more. In fact, a lot more. Um, and it's priced at a fraction of the valuation, like at least like the fully diluted valuation, at least is half of what Luna classic is or something like that. So that gives an idea, like how much further down things can go, um, to reach sort of like the true value of something. So you consider that, you know, is, is an undervalued project you're saying? Uh, well, I don't know that it's undervalued. It's compared to what it does compared to what Luna classic does, which is considerably more already. It's value is, uh, 50% of what classic is, uh, that doesn't say necessarily that Juno is greatly priced. I'm just saying it's like, you know, 50% of the valuation of the Luna classic chain. So you should consider that when you consider Lunk's price, for example, gotcha. right? Like I, I'm not saying that Juno or either of them might be overpriced as far as we're concerned, right? Maybe it's only, maybe Juno is only worth a hundred million dollars. And then where does that put Luna classic then? So you have to think about it from that angle. Like, um, how do you value these things? Is there enough like economic value, trading value, whatever the hell it is to keep the price where it is? Or if the market continues to slide over a couple of years, is it going to bleed even more? Um, these things are definitely possible. But Juno comparatively, like if you look at this week, you know, this little pump we had where quite a few coins like jumped like maybe 50% or 2x, um, uh, Juno did not pop with the rest of them. Now, you could argue there's not enough shit to do on Juno. That's why it didn't pop or the community is not like advertisement chain enough or whatever. But um, and that may be true. But, uh, you know, Juno's growth is probably more organic and technically more community driven because it's a bunch of community developers on Cosmos that decided to put it together. So it's a true community chain in that respect. A lot of the things that people care about on Luna Classic, actually, Juno has all of that and none of the baggage. So that is something to be aware of. Um, so you should go examine that even as a comparison to see like, wait, what is Juno doing right? What are they doing wrong? Like, what could we do better on Luna Classic and all of those things? And then like a good idea is to put some tweets out, like say, hey, look, I reviewed Juno. I reviewed Terra. I reviewed Terra Classic. You put out some tweets and you say, look, uh, we need these things. We don't have them on our chain yet maybe some DAP developers can put them together or like, or maybe you should put some other ones like, well, we have this, but you know, other chains don't have that and sort of like do a pro con argument for people. So you have to demonstrate the value to people. They're not going to just sort of like, you know, if you think they're going to go and like analyze the blockchain data or some shit and learn about it, they're not like they're, they need to be told what to do. And um, you have to have like some graphics. And no, yeah. Things. Most people yeah. can't do that in this space. I can't, I'm not a, uh, no. I'm not you're, a you're, and you don't, you may not have the time. Like I like it when like some of the different um, contributors will put together like neat little graphics, maybe a list of all the protocols on a chain 
or, you know, like all the different dApps or whatever. It's nice when you have those kinds of resources, like, okay, what are the DEXs on this chain? What are the um, DeFi lending protocols? What are the whatever, right? Like, what are the NFT games or whatever, um, those type of information sheets. So you want that kind of information, put it together and say, wait, what does Phantom have? What are other layer ones have? What is, you know, what is Elrond building or whoever? And um, uh, yeah, so like forward story with crypto is all about narrative. So if there's not anything interesting happening over the next year, let's say, uh, then what are you going to talk about, right? What are you going to tweet about? What are you going to have YouTube channels about? What are you going to, like, you have to have content and that content emerges when there's something to do or like either entertainment or financial or otherwise. And people will show up and start playing. Um, so yeah, having a playground and no, having no one show up, you know, it doesn't make sense either. So um, yeah. And that's just, what keeps Luna Classic going is because there's always something around the corner that they're, that they're approaching com- completion on or working on and that people that influence or, you know, just people are invested wa- want to talk about, you know, and yeah. But, but the whole thing is, though, is that this whole thing is what a two billion dollar market cap. I mean, yeah, it's gone as far as it can go. I would. And I would the re- whole thing of is where, I mean, they have to get rid of the supply, and because and how are they going to do that? Because these burning gimmicks aren't working. The well, only other thing I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about the burning gimmicks as long as it's at least a fixed supply. I think that's sufficient. I wouldn't even worry about burning. It will. It will have no serious impact on anything. So, I, in the long run, it's people wanting to buy the coin and hold it is what matters the most. But um, in, in the Luna Cloud, one thing to keep in mind too is Twitter spaces is not like a very good referendum on like the public opinion. Um, I would say 99% of people who bought Luna Classic are not in Twitter spaces necessarily, right? So when you hear people argue on Twitter spaces, you're usually here listening to a lot of dorks and nerds and whatever, and maybe a few speculators that have big bags but you're not getting a full uh, understanding, right? You're seeing little, little arguments and maybe like developers talking about this, that, and the other thing. A thousand people here or there, maybe in the biggest spaces. But you have tens of thousands of people that probably bought the coin or are running bots or whatever. And those people aren't represented at all. And um, many of the people who just bought the coins on Binance are just there for speculative reasons. And um, they'll eventually get bored and sell or buy something else or move on to the next shiny thing. So, yeah, if you've been around crypto long enough, you realize every single chain has a, a crew of like fans and shit that get really excited. And then like the coin pumps or whatever the fuck, and then it goes down and everyone's disappointed. Like I can give you a laundry list of blockchain communities that I was seeing tweets about all the time. Like I follow, I don't know, everyone from like Avalanche to Solana to whoever the fuck. And like the number of posts from a lot of chains is really, really minimal right now. Um, I got a couple of chains reached out to me, like the Cadena people messaged me and like the UMI blockchain and a few others. And they're like, hey, do you want to do some Twitter space or something? I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll figure something out. Um, and I was like, yeah, where did you where did you fuckers go the rest of the bear market? Like, why weren't you engaging with that? <laughs> like, dude, because- Cadena was all over the place. They, they yeah, exactly. hammered the marketing during the bull market, dude. I was like, Cadena well, this, Cadena that. <laughs> It hammered it while it, the price was going up because even the developers get euphoric, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, this idea during the bear market, we're going to put our head down and develop, meaning that they dumped on you at the top. And now they're going to go put their head down until the next wave of retard shows up. 
Yep. So I don't like this idea. Like, like same. I've been having Twitter spaces and chit chatting and doing like, I don't know, tweets or whatever the fuck the whole bear market. Um, but like, where are all the development teams? Where are all the blockchain teams? Like, why aren't they doing something? Right. Like, I'm not even saying come and hang out with me. I'm just saying do something. Like, why would you not shill your product when the price is low? Like, why right. would you shill your shit when Cadena is $27 and not at $1.50? Right. Yeah. It makes, Alex, like, and you're this is the perfect time to do due diligence, right? To go yeah. and spend a little bit of time with every project that you're interested in, yeah. or, you know, layer one, layer two. Yeah. Like at these prices, I'm perfectly fine being called a shiller. I'm like, I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, you know, like I, I'm comfortable saying what I'm buying now because I'm like, well, I think the upside is reasonable. And even if there's downside, like I'll, I can buy more or whatever. Not a big deal. And um, yeah, but like when these things are at the way top, top, um, you know, like why do these teams just disappear as the price drops? Like yeah. that's, they're not doing a service to their, their new uh, users. And that's the thing. The people that buy at the bottom are the stickiest users, right? Imagine if you're in the green, right? Let's say you bought, I don't know, Cadena at a buck 50 and it's at like $10 and you're really happy because it's, you're up and you're in the green or whatever. Way more likely to shill yeah. your shit, right? At that point, right? Like you're, you're likely to build a community. You're, you have a big bag. You're happy with it and you're going to tell everybody about it, right? Um, that's always yeah. how this works. So I think your best users are found at that time. It's an interesting take, uh, you know, because I was, I'm fairly new, only about a year or so into this crypto thing. But my my viewpoint was that, you know, this these that Twitter was like the central hub, um, you know, for cryptocurrency information. And it could be the place to uh, where communities and tokens could be brought down based on, you know, the sentiment of the people circulating on this space. No, this is, you know? this is true. Uh, uh, Twitter tends to be a bit of a leading sentiment indicator compared to a lot of other things because news spreads about specific projects oftentimes first here. So that is true. Um, you know, maybe like by the time the YouTube videos and whatever show up, it's already kind of a lagging thing. Um, because not everyone sees the YouTube video the first day that it gets posted, right? So it's already like maybe a week goes by or some shit by the time people watch this stuff. So there could be a lag. Um, but it also in Twitter depends on who you're following and why, right? If you're following, you know, I don't know, a project or something, they're obviously only going to say good things, but they're not, you're not going to be able to like be sure that you're getting in at a good price or something like that. You have to really get into like, market cap analysis and everything else to dig deep in that and i think um yeah and even hanging out in the discords and telegrams right twitter is great just to see like headlines but when you go into the discords and telegram sometimes you're in there with the builders and you can see what what's going on behind the scenes kind of right so you can kind of get the sentiment of the community uh in the chats yeah. and it's a lot more effective than, than twitter in regards to it also, it also deep dive. depends it depends, Blaze, how, how much you intend to spend time on doing that kind of shit, too. Right, it, right. It's It can be extraordinarily time-wasting to get, like, a billion notifications and follow what the fuck's going on in there. It turns into a job, right? I mean, it's it's what it is. If, if you're passionate about it and you like it, great. But if you don't, yeah, just read the headlines, I guess. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's really why quick. I joined the Discord. I mean, 
I joined the Discord for Luna Classic because I wanted to see what the devs were saying to each other and if, if there's real progress being made instead of just relying on people on these social media platforms. I would encourage, uh, I don't know, I would encourage, uh, you know, being in a Discord or something like that for maybe like a, also a very high quality, you know, DeFi protocol of some kind or, you know, like, uh, you, you know, you, you want to get more than one uh, view of how things work in the background. Um, and I would say the Luna Classic Discord, while maybe interesting, is not the highest expertise folks when it comes to like inventing blockchains and things. So it's not unreasonable to be following people like Sunny Agarwal of Osmosis or maybe like some of the Interchain Foundation uh, folks like Ethan Buckman and other people who like really know this stuff really deeply. Because mm, like the what Luna Classic is doing is relatively superficial compared to the depth of like the low level coders and the people who actually build the actual chain. And um, it's worth seeing it from these levels if you really love this sort of thing. I'm not saying you should, by the way. That may be a total fucking waste of your time. <laughs> like, like maybe maybe that's a pointless adventure. And sometimes you just want to get a summary from people, and that's cool. Um, so there's good YouTubers that do that too, like that have uh, you know good uh, conversation at a deep level. It just depends on how much you want to know about this stuff. That's the problem, like. Crypto is like a hobby because in order to get any serious alpha where you feel like you're buying a coin at the right time at a low enough price and everything else, you have to be in it pretty early. The problem when it's early is like nobody knows about it, including you. So how do you find out about these things? If you're in circles that are talking about new projects, you're much more likely to um, notice them when they first get released. And then you're buying the you're truly buying the bottom. Right. So that's you know, that might be my recommendation uh crypto traders I've, I've been kind of ignoring you there what's going on man a trader are you still there i've got to drop off here in a minute yeah, so hello, I just wanna... i'm here hello yeah hello? can you hear me go ahead yeah what's yeah, up? yeah i actually i was driving and i put on a muter so i was listening to you guys there's a lot of tremendous knowledge man i i really like your plan and i learned so many things today first time in your space and it's a I cannot say words, man. Uh, you have knowledge of all the coins. So... Oh, you're I, welcome. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, uh, I like your idea about uh, look at the new coins and uh, find if this is good or not good, right? So uh, I just want to ask, I mean, I just come uh, as a Twitter just a couple months ago and I just came to know about uh, two, three coins at the Twitter what do you think about the uh, Jasmine coin and there's a Saitama? Both coins, uh, what do you think about for future of them? Um, a- I think they're both both mostly sort of meme coinish. So <laughs> when when people are talking about them a lot, they'll go up. Um, you know, but meme coins, the problem is you don't know which ones are going to recover. Uh, sorry, I have some beeping in the background. I don't know which ones are going to recover and which ones are not. So that's the problem with meme coins. Um, but yeah, have you ever used and, Doge, Tifa? <laughs> yeah, used it for no. I just sort of speculated once or twice. <laughs> right. 
No, meme coins are fun to just play with and make a few bucks if you if you can catch momentum. Some people yeah. like to just trade the chart or whatever. But like, yeah, taking those communities seriously is like, uh, like, yeah, you would only do that if you're retarded or something. Like, there's no like, it's just it, like Saitama is just mostly just like 99% nonsense for the most part. So oh, yeah, so that's good to know. That means that just uh, uh, make a couple means when there's a a little pump and go go out. That's the only thing, right? These mean we cannot stay longer here, right? Yeah, I mean, there's only so many crypto projects that you, I think you can sort of like buy and hold and look at the long term. And um, I think those are worth finding. But there are some that are fun just to kind of like play momentum or something. But if you do, if you there's a whole strategy to trading meme coins, though, guys, like it's not like you just like look at the chart and just buy. Like if you have some like uh, if you're following all of the sort of like, I don't know for lack of a better term, like pump groups, like you're on their Reddit, you're on their YouTube channels and you're watching their, like how many views their videos are getting. You're watching like sentiment indicators and everything. And you're seeing like the buzz in the community building up. Then I think you could probably follow that wave of enthusiasm and post social media posting and write it. But if you're not paying attention very closely to those meme coins, like you're just doing that wrong. <laughs> so meme coins are all about sentiment and your ability to sort of like track that. So you need a whole system in play, in my opinion. Like you should have like like a whole, like at least like 10 different ways you're watching sentiment. Um, whether it's like, you know, Google trends analysis, whether it's like YouTube analysis or whatever the hell. Um, so if you're going to gamble on those, it's like it's like almost like being a weatherman looking for uh like the next wave to surf. Like if you know the weather, you can probably find that wave a little bit better than someone who doesn't follow the weather, right? But yeah, when we time, knew that the Elon was going to buy Twitter, that probably was a good time to you know jump into some dodes. <laughs> well, I bought it the moment he entered. Remember when he tweeted that day, right? I was like, ooh, when he brought the now. In or what? <laughs> yeah, and I and I made a two x on that just by like, and then I sold it. Now I didn't know I was going to make a two x, but I figured probably Doge is really right. easy to move the market, so I figured whatever. But yeah, so the Saitamas and all those things, like a lot of those cult communities that just sort of show up, it's hard to build that momentum the second time. The first time what happens is the the initial founders and everybody, they pump the living shit out of the thing and they get really rich. And then a lot of times the original people who first got really wealthy, they just disappear. And then the, the people that are left holding the bag are not as enthusiastic or as like hardcore as the initial group. And they're like that cult dissipates and like that's the end of it. And everyone's just bag holders at that point. So you'll notice this with like tons of these like Binance shitcoin meme coins. So yeah, like that's the reason why I don't play too much in those because this is the thing. Like I always remember, remind everybody like everything in crypto pumps when it pumps. So why not just get the legit stuff? Like why bother with the meme coin stuff, right? Like you're more likely to have a higher low on the legit stuff than the than the meme coin. I mean, if if Cardano can retrace 89%, you can imagine a lot of meme coins probably can retrace like 95 plus percent. <laughs> so, um, the, you know, but then again, I guess if Cardano can replace, re, uh, retrace 90%, well, like, you know, is there even any such thing as like a blue chip or whatever? Maybe not. <laughs> so I don't know how you, how you think about that, but, um, I don't know. That's, I totally yeah. agree with you. There are so many 
uh, even I, I still remember there was this talk at NASDAQ, they say naked, and people make so much noise, they make a community, and by the end, that talk was dead. So, it, it depends, I mean, the, uh, mean is in mean, you can make noise, you, make, you can make uh, community, whatever is there, if good product, it goes well, if not, it always drops, right? Yeah, I think the other thing too is if you are in the meme coin space with any serious amount of money, and if you feel like you have enough social media presence, like you're some BitBoy crypto or whatever the fuck, right? You have like a big YouTube channel and you think you can pump some coin. Well, by all means, go for it, right? Like go buy a bunch of it at the bottom and like drive your little YouTube channel, whatever, and like pump up the crowd or whatever. But if you don't have any direct influence, then you're already behind the people that do. Because they know when the date is when they're going to start their pumping, right? So the thing is, like, you don't have that information. So usually by the time the pump begins, you know, you've already, like, missed the 2x or 3x or 5x. And now you're jumping in after once the crowd has shown up. So the people that do it at the very, very beginning make the most money in this, those types of pump and dump schemes. So that's something to kind of think about. Like, if you're not in those early groups... Like, like, it just seems like it's just more dangerous to me um, to bother. Yeah, like, I think, like, I think this Twitter account has like what sixty nine thousand followers or something on it, some shit. Anyway, like, so if a coin is small enough, like, uh, and we're in the middle of like, like a bull market time, um, I've definitely made posts about coins, and I'm like, hey, look, it pumped like literally after I mentioned it. So there does come a size of account like this where eventually like you're able to move the market a little bit, but, um, but in a bearish market, I don't think it makes any difference at all. Like you can't see much direct effect, whatever, but um, the, the social media reach is just not that far. But like when there's a bull market, like every YouTuber is like on Twitter listening for alpha so they can add it to their YouTube channel or their, um, or like there'll be YouTube channels that invite me. They're like, Hey, can you come speak on our YouTube channel? I'm like, okay, whatever. We'll see. Um, you know, but like when the, uh, when the, uh, market's down, like even a word that you say is like a whisper in the forest that nobody's there to hear. Like, um, it just doesn't spread the same way. Like people aren't paying attention. They're not producing as much content. So a bull market's yeah. just very different in that regard. That's why I say for like, like if you're on Terra or Terra Classic or whatever, during a bear market, what the community should be doing is you should have like 10, maybe 20 people that are building like probably 20,000 plus follower account accounts. And the reason for that is because when a bull market actually comes, that's not the, the time that you want to be now being like, wait, our community doesn't have any reach, right? Like, so what good is having reach um, unless you have it when the time is needed? So. I think it's important for communities to do that, um, like develop that community uh, and followings or whatever the hell it is. Um, and let's just call it what it is. Web3 is about decentralized advertising as much as anything else. And if you don't use those techniques or whatever the hell, your community is not using Twitter well, you're not using um, YouTube well, then that's just, you know, and you don't have as good of a community as some others, then that's all there is to it. So. Uh, you know, finding those people that will be willing to do those is oftentimes organic. It's like not everyone wants to make YouTube videos. Not everyone wants to do Twitter spaces. Not everyone wants to m write medium articles, right? So, but if the more people that you have in your corner to do those things, 
that do it organically, not paid, right? They don't have to get paid even for it. It's just free work that they do. That tends to make blockchains go up a lot. And typically you won't find those people unless they really believe in the chain too. So you need believers who are then going to provide that like viral um, web three sort of content or whatever you want. It's like web two content technically, but it's like viral marketing. And um, it's a, uh, it's a good thing to sort of foster that. So I think uh, all the people that like in the cosmos, at least um, that are hanging out here who are still hanging out during the bear market, um, you know, are the people that will have like, you know, like during a bull market, there'll be like 7,000 followers in these rooms and it'll be like, it's just ridiculous again. And like, you'll be able to whisper a word and like coin prices will move, um, which is very funny. <laughs> so, yeah. And remember, this is that time where we're buying stuff where the retail is going to be coming in later. So any move you make right now on a coin is, you know, your, your risk reward is good, right? Phantom. Yeah. I can go back down to 10 cents. If you DCA in buying at 26 cents is not a problem. Right. But um, it, let me just run one thing really quick by uh, Alex. He's still here. The, one thing I did good the last market was, you know, I bought Cardano at uh, four cents, almost five cents, and Luna at 29 cents. And when the bull market happened and everything went euphoric, I looked at Cardano and I go, look at the price. Is that like $3? What does it do? Pretty much nothing. So I just took the decision to myself saying, hey, <laughs> you had you bought this thing at four cents it's at three dollars just sell it right and you go into cash and it feels like the worst uh, you know worst move you can ever make you moved into cash like your friends like cash is dead it's losing 20 percent. blah 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 every year <laughs> but it feels like a bad decision but sometimes you just have to make that decision and 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 execute on it then you look at projects like luna and you're like you know this this project here i don't plan on dumping 100 percent of my tokens or 90 percent of my tokens because it's such a good project, it's earning yield, it's great. And you think it's a great decision, but we all saw what happened, right? Even though that I sold pretty much all my other assets, I kept the majority of my Luna just because of the, the structure of it, the community, the, the utility. But at the end of the day, cash is not a bad guy. <laughs> hey, Bruce, what's so, up? Yeah, good words. What are you up to today, Bruce? Uh... <laughs> I just uh, I just came home from the brothel. How are I you was going to say you were busy or something because I kind of sent this invite like quite a while back. Like, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was walking home and then the prostitute rang me up and said you didn't do a good enough job, so I had to come back and, <laughs> and do it properly. Mm. Oh, she's you know Bruce, he likes to do a thorough job. You know, you you, you pay for what you Aren't get. Aren't you paying her? Well, she was like, you know, you're 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 paying and and. Uh, you got to had a good time, but I didn't have a very good time. So come back here and, and like make me happy. Cause it's, you know, we're, I know I'm being paid, but at the same time we're humans and um, it's not just all about you. So I felt guilty and I went back for two hours. Yeah. Okay. They heard it folks, you know, Kai just got feelings, you know, you need to sit him down and tell him, you know, that you love him and you, you'll care for him and you'll be there. Not just for a reach around. What's yeah, going on in have... here? Has has uh, Sefi been brainwashing all of the lung people? Yeah, yeah. Typical Sefi tactics for the most part. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I uh, messaged Doe briefly today this morning, and he said like pretty much the interesting stuff's going to be coming out hopefully before end of year. 
which is a lot faster than Atom 2.0 or whatever the hell. So maybe that's good. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be good for good for the ecosystem if it's happened. If these things come out quickly. Think we're going to yeah. airdrops with their uh, vested Luna there. Wait, what's that now? We're going to get some airdrops with our uh, locked Luna. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's any airdrops or anything, but we shall see. Yeah, one thing I was wondering is is if he's doing, um, I don't know how official this is, but with the, the spin-off chains or the sub-chains and things, if he's going to airdrop um, proportionately to those or have anything like that, there might be some more interesting things. Like um, if you assume he's going beyond just Luna, and also building new chains that are backed by Luna as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It could be interesting. But I think there's uh, some major things coming out in about a week as well, Sefi. So I think the um, the deadline for catching the train is is quite soon. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think uh, the, it's all just a matter of like between the vested tokens, unlocks, and the new catalysts like which one is going to be more prominent for price action i don't know but yeah dip, but mm, i would say because the unlocks happen over an extended period of time it's quite possible that price could pump considerably more than any kind of sell pressure we'll see the i think uh, if he's going to release all new things as like sub chains instead of the primary chain which would be very weird interesting though then that's a very different model, and maybe they just have airdrops for each no, chain. It's um, doing both, I think. I think there are going to be many spin-off chains um, as well as building on Luna itself. But I think it's there's going to be like, uh, I don't know, um, a kind of like a symbiosis, like benefits both. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure about all the full details. Um, you could also argue that, that the, the whole vesting thing is maybe priced in now, and you could also argue that um, as soon as people are enthusiastic about what's being built, they're much more likely to hold. And you can also argue, like the way it's designed, uh, of a little bit vested every day, it's really annoying. And not many people are going to be going there and selling every single day, are they? It's like <laughs> you might get some people checking in like every few months and selling a big block, but like to to actually, um, I, I think a very low percentage of of the total unlocked amount will get sold every day. I really do. Um, and I think it will decrease with time as the reputation heals, as more stuff is being built. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting hold for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, Coach, I think you were the one that was buying a whole lot of Saitama, right? One of the so gentlemen what? here was asking if Saitama is a good buy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what Saitama is. I keep I see it on our comments sometimes. There's it's, another, like it's another little cult. Like, I, don't you, Is it, you don't like cults? How do you spell it? C-U-O-T. <laughs> <laughs> Saitama, S-A-I-T-A-M-A, Saitama. Oh my God, they've been, they, they are honestly like the most professional scam artists that have like they, ever walked. What they do, Coach, is if you, if you say anything negative about Saitama, they will ostracize mm-hmm. your ass from the community. Yeah, kind of like my um, my proposal for confiscating airdrops. Did you hear that? Exactly, Happy exactly. <laughs> Happy yeah, Caddy, anyone you... says something bad, they get retaliated against. <laughs> so in the in the old community, 
the old community, I used to make these like kind of troll proposals just to fuck with everyone. And one of the proposals was that like anyone on social media, whoever speaks negatively about Luna is going to have all of their future airdrops confiscated. And like, you can only have a Luna wallet and you can only receive airdrops if you link your Twitter profile. And then I propose like we have these, these bots, like these robots scanning social media constantly. If anyone uses a word like bad or shit or like crap in relationship to the Luna hashtag, their airdrops are instantly confiscated. <laughs> it's like I had this like system where nobody could speak ill, like proper cult dynamics, like Big Brother 1984 or something. And uh, the, the funny thing is, was that I did it in such a serious manner. Like I, I properly proposed it and did like a speech about it and stuff. And then all of the founders in the ecosystem, like the builders who are building stuff, got really angry like like the the head of uh Subera protocol and all these people <laughs> they were like no no we can't do that that's like dystopian that's a dictatorship that's that's completely anti-crypto do you remember reading these comments Sefi? like like there were loads of them all of the founders like got really enraged by it it was just like me fucking around i'll find it for you now i think it's um amusing to anyone new Hold up a sec. I've got to move a little bit of furniture. Give me, <laughs> I've got a task right now. <laughs> so, uh, like, yeah, entertain happy here while I'm gone for a minute. <laughs> Don't your audio on uh, your little Braveheart speech was pretty, pretty funny. Was it today or yesterday? I wish those audios can, were easily accessible. You know, like, they um, doesn't seem like they're, they're easy to access for people to see and, yeah, we need to make a, a repository of speeches that we do. That'll be fun. Yeah, like a like a an Abraham Lincoln style speech about freedom or something. <laughs> yeah, and I, I not like a storyline where it disappears because that's a good one. If we can like keep that like vivid, <laughs> you know, hanging out. I um I put the the proposal at the top. This is the speech I did in relation to the the airdrop confiscation proposal. <laughs> what did I say? Um, before I before I created LunkDAO, I had like this, this silly comedy DAO called Scorpion DAO that I was just like making fake proposals with and stuff. <laughs> just, just my own amusement. I think Sefi saw some of it. But it was really, it was really fucking stupid because I, I made this DAO and then like, because I have quite good brainwash power, I had like, I don't know, 300 people having you know the funny thing bruce is though i don't think you know what a dow is (laughs) me (laughs) (laughs) me i I know what a dow like it's just him in the dow (laughs) the whole joke is that like we don't give a fuck about what a dow really is like it's one of those um it's one of those jokes right at the surface it's like it's designed specifically to annoy nerds who are going to insist like a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization with rules for, you know what I mean? Like they want to have processes and, and we don't see any decentralization or processes or multi-sticks here. Like, like that's the whole idea. <laughs> like, that's why I put it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, even with that impression. Oh. You told like me it was nice- the type of cheese you put on crackers anyway. So you lied to me. Yeah, it, it's just designed to make nerds explode, Seppi. I, I know what a DAO is, and I know there's like this this whole nerd, um, this this whole like nerd um, popular opinion through crypto Twitter and like maybe Cosmos people and stuff, where it's like, mm, wow, ninety nine percent of DAOs aren't really DAOs. 
it's just that they call themselves that. <laughs> like there are loads of those people writing these threads about it. <laughs> I don't know if you're still here, Sevi, but I've seen that. Like some of that stuff just inspired me. Like how angry nerds get if you if you misuse these terms. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna call it a doubt. To be fair, like I'm at a point now where today I actually did a YouTube video with like a fake advert about you know hats that block out clickbait. I just you know you've got to have a bit of fun in you. I think so. I think it's just a playground. Like, do cool things, then just have fun around it. Um, and and you find again and again that if you have fun and uh, you're having a good time, that's like quite a unique thing in crypto. Everyone is so fucking serious, man. Or or they just talk in terms of information. Or you get on a space and all they're talking about is like um, the big issues or the 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 proposal or whatever else. Just just like give it a break. Often humor With no sense of humor too. <laughs> Yeah, like like you can do things and you can take action, but you can have fun too. And often, like the the attitude of lightness and and fun and stuff just helps everything move forward much easier. Um, and like nobody's attracted to a community that's like arguing and quibbling and serious all the time. Uh, the whole point and the whole way you start these movements is just by having fun, being optimistic and enthusiastic, and uh, you know, let go of all that bullshit and seriousness. It's 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 how lungs yeah, that's another reason why i left eos i mean it's just so boring and so governance and so dull and then there's doquan it's like sorry man i'm I'm out of this place do what's up man <laughs> yep and and yeah doquan like with doquan you have the startings of a really fascinating story i see it like a, I don't know zoom out like chronologically and look at the big picture i see it like the start of a really interesting 20-year story one that starts with these kind of um, explosions and heartbreaks and ambitions and whatever else. But down the road somewhere, I think we'll look back and we'll see these things similarly to, for instance, like the, I don't know, the first um, Tesla crashes or, uh, you know, the, sorry, not Tesla, SpaceX crashes, you know, when the rockets crashed or, um, you know, some of the, 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 um, the bad and checkered past of people like i sometimes mention examples like mike tyson like in the 80s and 90s all the controversies and and you know cocaine before fights and all these crazy things and tigers and shit you know what i mean it's like it's just it's just a human story and it's fun and it's interesting and i'd rather be a part of that like i'm a, i'm a sucker for interesting things and novelty and 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 just a, a story that is getting written in real time and we're seeing that now with with the whole dope one thing and i love the yeah, recent- I was looking at the, the chart and I love that, that the lunar chart right now still has the history. It still has it going from zero to 119 and then back down to zero. And now it's like back at like 2.5 or something. I think it's beautiful like to see it all in the chart. It's like you see the whole history, the whole, the whole range of emotions and the failures all right there. It's, it's I don't know, it's a, a beautiful thing for me. Happy, what's your uh, YouTube? What mine? Yeah. Uh, it's Lunkdown. Oh, that'll work. <laughs> no, just kidding. I um, really like your channel, by the way, Coach. Which one? I, I uploaded a few videos. Do you mean the YouTube or what? Yes, sir. Sorry, I'm currently cooking cheese on toast, so I'm just trying to get, you know, the perfect kind of consistency on the melting of the cheese. So just bear with me. Yeah. Um, no, I just uploaded a few silly things on there. Like just, it was just out of space, spontaneous, uh, you know, conversations we had. 
it's not very uh, professional. It's more like an archive from my amusement, but whatever. Yeah, I like the one. I think it's your most recent one with um, Ema Monkey. Look, <laughs> Klein Sinker. Yeah. Coach, I, but, um, is he in here? <clears throat> he's. Um, yeah, they all work about, don't they? I came into the place and he was just like, uh, Vegas is the devil for two hours. <laughs> that boy is the devil. I mean, everybody's the devil, really. We've all got a little bit of a devil in us, don't we? Don't we? I don't know about that. Speak for yourself, friend. Oh, yeah, just the guy with the Satan-type logo. Did I ever tell you about that, um, Coach? The group that started pursuing me and telling me that I was an ulterior motive god called Murdoch, and I take babies and sacrifice them. No. A lot of people come up with these things. It's a cat. She's on toast. What has um what has Seppi been telling you then? Has he been trying to brainwash you to get um Luna or something? Has that been his agenda? You know, Seppi doesn't even have any lung. He's just uh he's purely here to convert all the Luna people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. I've kind of always been because before the capitulation, right? I didn't even know what Luna was to tell you guys the truth. So you know why I got involved in it, Coach. But you know, I've always kind of gone into it with this kind of like blase kind of until someone actually shows me proof that you know he, he actually did it. I'm not going to take somebody's word for it. It's as simple as that. Sitting where I am now, I honestly believe Luna. The future of Luna is, I mean, there's nothing really like it other than Lunk that really does fire this passion inside me to actually think to myself, do you know what? This is actually something that's worth talking about. It's something to get excited over. Like you're saying, there's going to be heartbreaks and stuff along the way, but this is cryptocurrency. It's not you getting a, you know, a specific amount back on your savings every year and your savings are safe it's experimental we all know this right it's just something to get excited about what other blockchains are realistically like i've done a video today right when i look at proposals over at luna they're so in the conversations are so intelligent so respectful of each other like that is what I, you want to see that's what you want to see as an outsider like you want to see Seppi, you've got your hand up. Have you got something to say, bud? Uh, it's, no, he's carrying um, <laughs> the couch right now, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of AFK at the moment. Trying to like, move right <laughs> But I, I am excited, um, Coach. That, I really that's his speak to the hand uh, icon, dude. Like, I don't care what you're saying, but you can continue saying, and nobody's listening. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part Chepe Space, having a discussion on Luna, Lunk, and Terra Feather. Recorded on Friday, November 4th, 2022. For terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alley.
Sally's on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often ate the shrooms Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in The latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is gizzle Kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Energy always gets the best of me when I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes. Gotta mix and match, flip the latch, letting rhythm scratch. No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed. Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash. Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch. Better let the missus know where you hit the stash. Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps. Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines. And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies. Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise. Chastised into digging holes in the back nine. The latest proof. Ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Spaces.